Hello and welcome to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. My name is Rob Peters and joining me as always is my co-host Josh Roller. We are the two heads that make up the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast that you're currently listening to right now. And we are located in the biggest racing hubs in the United States. That's right. Uh, I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana, and he is in Charlotte, North Carolina. So two of the biggest places that uh, you could find auto racing here in the States. And we are here to discuss the biggest racing stories of the past week, uh, the races that happened over the, you know, relatively dull week. I mean, it's the Olympics. The Olympics are happening right now. So, you know, hey, a lot of people are watching that stuff. And that's great. I was watching uh, late night. I like uh, watching a little late night Olympic soccer and Olympic baseball and stuff like that. I love watching little Olympic basketball. If you know me very well, you'll know my favorite basketball player plays for the Argentinian national squad, Luis Scola. Uh, love to see him out there. Uh, Argentina is, I can't, I don't know, really know where they are in the group poll right now, but we'll, I'm sure I'll check that out later. Um, anyway, we have a lot to discuss this week anyway, despite the lack of racing. So uh, if you like what you hear and you haven't followed us on social media yet, we can be found uh, at rpeters33, at r-p-e-e-t-e-r-s-3-3, at roller underscore zero one, r-o-l-l-e-r underscore zero one, and at Robin Roller spelled just as it sounds, r-o-b-a-n-d-r-o-l-l-e-r. And I believe that with that being said, I think that is the end of the intro for today. Uh, the music is fading away. So let's jump right on into Rob's racing report starting off with uh, Formula One. How about this? This was interesting. Um, yeah. This was a bit of interesting news here. Uh, so um, Mercedes team principal Toto Wolff has said that he will help find a team for Valtteri Bottas if the decision is made to replace him with George Russell. Hint, hint. Well, he's been linked to Alfa Romeo. He's been linked to Williams. Williams have also in turn linked um, Mercedes Formula E drivers. I read that today that Nick DeFries and Stoffel Van Dorn are actually being linked to a potential Williams drive to replace George Russell. Uh, that would be very interesting. I don't see Nicholas Latifi leaving anytime soon. I think they're still needing his uh, his That's nice cool. big check that he brings yeah. in at, yeah. the, <laughs> at the end of the, um, the, the, the season. So I think that uh, until Williams can get a little bit out of their financial hole, Latifi yeah. is going to be with the team. Uh, not saying I, I don't mind Latifi. I think Latifi's a great guy. I, he's I love Latifi. Um, it's just he's not very fast, and and that's okay. Probably a lot of it is his car. A lot of it's his car, and also probably being teammates with George Russell is is tough. But uh, yeah. and it's not to say he was bad in F two. He was pretty good in F two, but not like not how George Russell was in F two. You know what I mean? George yeah. Russell was on on another level in F two, and that's why he won the championship and. Uh, then Nick DeVries was also on another level in F2, and he won the championship in 2019 and still trying to figure out how he didn't get an F1 drive right out of the bat. But, I mean, he's doing great things in that Formula E. Um, so I'd, I'd kind of like to see him go to Williams. Do you think Do you think Toto coming out and saying this is like saying, yeah, George Russell is going to be on the car next year? Is Are you prepared to say? Yeah, I think it's the worst-kept secret in motorsports. Everybody knows it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, and this isn't an insult to Botas, but – they need somebody who can fight. And right now, I mean, Botas was great when, you know, the Constructors' Championship wasn't as close as it is now. You know, the Constructors' Championship is very close. And to be honest with you, Mercedes just can't have a guy that's going to finish behind Perez. I don't think he's got the heart in it anymore. Not, in this, not, not with Mercedes, personally. I think he's just 
going through the laps, you know, you're, you, you know, you're going through the reps at this point and he knows, I think he's known from the start of the season that like he had to go out there and, and set the world on fire. And it wasn't him that was setting it on fire it was Max Verstappen. So, yeah. Yeah. I kind of see that. Um, but at the same time, I feel like that should have motivated him more to really I, I, I bump up his driving and really kind of try maybe be a little bit more aggressive. And I just haven't seen him be more aggressive. I've seen him almost be less aggressive than I'm used to seeing him. So I, it's kind of disappointing because I think I had, at least I had high hopes for him at the beginning of the season. Yeah. But I mean, he's at this point, it's it's pretty clear what Mercedes needs to do. I mean, it was it was pretty blatantly obvious after like the third or fourth race of the season, and and by this point now, it's yeah. I mean, I think we need we know what needs to be done. Um, and Botas isn't going to like it. Botas's fans aren't going to like it. But at the end of the day, that it, it's what it's a business decision. It's what's best for the team. It's what's best for Mercedes. And it's not, you know, because Botas hasn't been a good driver for them. It's just Red Bull up to their game to a level that they need to. That that they are not capable of reaching right now. Yeah, this um, is they're under the biggest threat in the turbo hybrid era. You know, yeah, the, man. You know, Ferrari could never put up this kind of threat, but Red Bull is. So, I mean, they came close. Yeah. Vettel and and Raikkonen mm-hmm. came very close in in their respective times, but it wasn't like they were going to challenge for the constructors' title. No. I mean, they were going to challenge for race wins, definitely, but there they're was no way that they were going to challenge for the constructors' title overall. This is something where Red Bull is fielding two very consistent drivers and i think a lot of that was down to i mean that was because seb was finishing usually third or fourth or fifth and raikkonen was i mean they were finishing in the points but they weren't finishing on the podium like right. red bull are i mean red bull puts verstappen and perez on the podium and hamilton's the only mercedes guy on the podium and and what is i mean that's all you need to know for why red bull's ahead in this in the standings uh okay so that's that's formula one news there's a little bit more uh, and this is kind of like F2 IndyCar slash Formula One news, but I wanted to just like throw this out here because it was kind of interesting. I read this. Um, so Ray Hall, Letterman, Landigan, and I'm going to get to IndyCar in a little bit, but I want to start this right here. So Ray Hall, Letterman, Landigan, is I don't know if you've known this, but they're mulling the idea of a third car yep. for next year. Yep. Or, you know, there's some, I've heard some rumors that Sato might be deciding to call it a career. Nobody really knows yet. Um, he could decide to re-sign with them, but like as of right now, I don't think he's signed a new contract yet. So that's why some people are speculating that. Um, and so, but I guess uh, someone, I guess um, we might have more F2 graduates going into IndyCar because I read that Christian Lundgaard is actually getting that F, the, the, F, the current F2 driver is getting the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan test. Wow. Uh, probably. So that would be interesting to see because we, we've seen Tatiana Calderon get that AJ Foyt test at Mid-Ohio. And now Christian Lundgaard is potentially going to get a Ray Hall Letterman test. Um, you know, a lot of questions are like, where's, where does Ferrucci fall into this? Yeah, um, a, a, a lot of that man. is, I think, down to funding at this point now, which is mm-hmm. surprising because I always felt like Ferrucci had plenty of funding behind him. But I guess in the, in, it, it, the truth of the matter is he doesn't. I guess his dad's not footing the bill anymore <laughs> like I thought he was for a long time. Um, but uh, yeah, so it looks – and it also – so because of that, it looks like Ferrucci – is a little bit happier at NASCAR because I, from what I've heard is that he quote unquote gets paid more, um, yeah. which, you know, is big. If if he could find sponsorship that want to sponsor him in NASCAR and he'll get paid a little bit more and then I don't see why he shouldn't take that opportunity. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see what Ray Hall does. 
uh, here in the next year. And it's interesting to kind of, I didn't really expect Lundgaard to be the F2 driver that was going to get, get an IndyCar test. I really would have pegged somebody else, but you know, it's pretty interesting to see he's a dead. I mean, we've seen Oliver Rasmussen, who's I believe uh, Danish as well. And we see Kevin Magnussen who's Danish, you know, we could be seeing some Danish invasion here uh, to IndyCar, which would be pretty interesting. So uh, moving on to uh, the next piece of news. Hey, how about this? The BC 39 is returning this year. Thankfully. Good. Uh, I missed it. I've definitely missed it. But so we've got uh, two drivers, two entries that will be um, in the the field, probably trying to make the main event. Connor Daly is going to return, and uh, Chase Elliott is going to make his debut in the series, uh, driving a number nine sprint car for Paul May Motorsports. That's pretty huge. Chase Elliott, you know, is doing the dabbles in sprint cars. He did the SRX race. It looks like he's, I feel like, I wonder almost if Kyle Larson's rubbing off on him. You know, I think, well, Kyle Larson opened up the door for Chase yeah. Elliott to do these things because, yeah, you know, prior to true. that, Hendrick Motorsports drivers were really restricted on what they could do outside of the race car um, during the season. And, you know, I think we've seen where when Kyle Larson in the past, when he's running dirt races, he's a better race car driver on Sunday. And um, I think we've seen that again for more proof this year and in chase elliott's like well if he's going to do it i'm going to do it so he's been running all these different races and i think he's having a lot of fun doing it that kind of Otherwise, why would he be doing it that like um jimmy johnson would have been able to run like at least an indycar race or two at the end of the last season if if that if that was new i don't know if it would have worked out but it would have been nice um yeah. but it also you know that's also interesting and I, I i say that because he said that also in the srx press conference that when larson came in he started asking Mr. H. He was like, hey, can I do this? Can I do this? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, Larson's doing this. Can I go run this race? And, yeah. you know, Hendrick's like, well, you know, if I let Larson do it. I guess I have to let you do it. So and Byron was, like, was right. It's only fair. Him. Byron was asked in New Hampshire if he was interested in doing this stuff. He just said it comes down to funding and finding a car. Yeah. He doesn't have a car to do it, some of this stuff with. So, well, I mean, if I you're mean, Chase Elliott, you're the defending cup champion. It's not exactly yeah. going to be difficult to find. It's not him. difficult for him to know. No, not difficult for him to find stuff at all. I mean, Napa was on his SRX car for crying out oh, loud. Yeah. You know, they wanted to be out there. I think there's some special permissions with that. But, you know, William Byron, he's got two cup wins. He's got a, you know, he's he's far off from where Chase and, or Kyle is as far as wins and reputation and accomplishments. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't say he can't get there or he couldn't find it. But, uh, you know, I think this has opened up the door for all these injured guys who got there because Alex Bowman's been dirt doing, doing some dirt racing too. Yeah, I saw that. I saw That was really cool. He added mm-hmm. a that really beautiful uh, Ally-sponsored sprint mm-hmm. car. That looked really nice. Looked that was really, really cool good. to see. Yeah. All right, and and so going to move on here into IndyCar news here. So we've got some more news uh, on the IndyCar broadcasting front. So IndyCar and NBC have officially come to a multi-year extension, which will feature 13 whole races on network television next year. Uh, but but this is a weird thing. This is a weird thing. I, I'm trying to figure out what the logic is behind this, as two will be exclusively streamed on Peacock. So this, I believe, will be the first time that IndyCar races will be basically not not seen live on terrestrial or cable television. I would hope that these two races are going to be like if they go back to Texas doubleheader and Detroit doubleheader, the Saturday race is like on that's Peacock. Probably what's going to happen. I really hope that's what. I hope well, they no, don't actually, like... Detroit has to be on NBC no matter what. So I imagine those two Detroit races are 
two why of thirteen. Do, why, why do they have to be on there? It's part of the, it's part of their contract. It's in their contract that they have to be. On, why do you think they were always on ABC and they're still on NBC, even though the racing is terrible? It's part of their contract. Well, maybe that's something that was negotiated. That since Penske I, I don't know, maybe it, it maybe Penske. it was renegotiated. I don't know, yeah, but and Penske owns the series. He's the promoter. His his t- company is for promoter at Detroit. Right, but he would have leverage. I mean, so if he yeah. didn't want to give up that exclusivity, then yeah, why well, would you gotta have a you gotta have a I I wouldn't want to see like mid Ohio be shoved to Peacock. I want this to be a I would want this to be a double header type. Of I don't want to see anything shoved to Peacock. You're right. I don't want to do that either. But it's happening. So you gotta yeah. say like okay, it's. I, I, Texas goes back. I, I like the Texas doubleheader. I, I did like the doubleheader the way they did it. Um, so if they put the Saturday race on there, that's fine. I just the wouldn't worst want thing they could them. do is put an oval on Peacock. That's just my opinion. Well, I yeah, I I would agree. I would agree to that. But the numbers on what's the numbers are going to be better. I think the numbers on Sunday are going to be better than the numbers on Saturday on a well, television. Yeah, because so, that's just how television ratings are. Yeah, so just I would just yeah, I would unfortunately shove it on there. Maybe they get gateway a double header or something. I, don't I just know. look, it, I just couldn't. I don't. We're we're at a point in IndyCar where IndyCar needs as much promotion of good oval racing as possible, and yeah. I just feel like putting it on Peacock behind a paywall where less people can watch it is not a good business move. I think that's it's not a good business move for the f- future because if Roger Penske is is telling. The, the media scrums, oh, we're very serious. We want to get more ovals. Well, the worst thing you could do is put a shove an oval race on Peacock and find out it it, it, it generated less than 50, 500K streams, you know? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. with, with streaming, it's not like with television, cable. Like with streaming, you have actual numbers in front of you. You're not yeah. guesstimating based on what Nielsen gives you. You're, yeah. You have actual real numbers to find out who was streaming and how long they were streaming and at what times they were streaming. So, I mean, you look at that, I feel like it just concerns me that you put an oval there because I, I feel like you're you you're essentially burying what could be potentially your best product, especially if you were getting it on a better high-speed oval like, you know, Michigan. Yeah, um, okay. you, I mean, you were to put, like, a, a good racetrack, a good even racetrack. Even Texas. I think even Texas would be a bad move. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, just single, a lot about this, but that's okay because we have plenty of time today. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you, yeah, you're just gonna say that the rest of the race is gonna be on USA Network. So you're gonna have, you're gonna have at least 15 races next year, 15, right? You're gonna yeah. have 13 on the on the on NBC, big NBC, two on Peacock, and the remainder of the races, which they didn't throw a number down. Yeah, the remainder of there. the races are gonna be on USA Network. So, yeah. Oh, and, hey, man, if we get at least 20 races in the IndyCar schedule, I'm gonna be love happy that. boy. I would be very happy if we get 20 20 races and not have what we have right now, which is this low period of a whole month uh, and then some without an IndyCar race. And, you know, we talked about it last week that this is, I mean, who's talked about IndyCar? I mean, outside of SRX promoting Elio and Kanan and and some, you know, specific silly season news outside of that, IndyCar has been completely left out of the news for the last month or so. And IndyCar in general, just doesn't produce as much news at, in, in, throughout the season in, no. in, in, in its um, feeder series as well. I mean, NASCAR, there's just there's kind of news. You're going to have these two weeks off where, yeah, there's going to be no news. But in general, there's always a little bit of news each week somewhere. Yeah, in the there's NASCAR a silly world. season domino yeah. falling at some yeah. point. Yeah, or, or there's a new sponsor or there's a new driver coming in. 
or in, in Formula One, there's always a little bit of news here and there. There's drama, you know. There's I mean, someone getting a test. Yeah, so like what I, we're seeing now. You know, you had Calderon do a test after Mid Ohio. We've seen uh, Lundgaard now get a test. Yeah, so you just cannot have this month lull or three week lull. IndyCar should have no more than two weeks off at a time, ever, uh, and throughout the season. So, however, you got to schedule that. You know, and it shouldn't end in August. So you got from from March to at least late September. You've got to be racing, and you can't have more than two weeks off at a time. Um, preferably only like one week at a time. Yeah, if, if I'm with need. you on that. Yeah. All right. So uh, in addition, Indy Lights will remain on Peacock, as will all qualifying and practice sessions. Which again is, I mean, I get it because if they're killing NBCSN, which apparently, according to some people. Because I guess NBC has stated that there will be programming on NBCSN as late as December. So I have no idea when the heck they're going to... I'm going to assume they're going to shut it down on December 31st. That's yeah, I think assumption. that's kind of what the plan sounded like before. It was going to at least live throughout 2021, but it wasn't going to see 2022. Yeah, which is disappointing. I hate to see that because that channel's been around as, OL, as OLN before and then as Versus and now as NBCSN. It's yeah. been a good channel to to host a lot of stuff and you know we just got done the last couple of weeks with the tour de france and let me tell you something my biggest worry is what is going to happen to that coverage what is that going to do i mean they're not going to put the whole tour de france on usa are they no way right i i think you're going to see a lot of it get shoved. it's going to be it's going to be a peacock and it's going to be the crummy uh the really crummy um international version without phil liggett and paul sherwin and without the studio host you're not going to get tour prime time which has all of the uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you'll get all that. Maybe Peacock will surprise me, but I'm not. I'm not expecting it, and that's what's really disappointing me. Because you know, it's not just about NASCAR. It's like the, I watch other sports that are being affected by this yeah. NBCSN shutdown. That's kind yeah. of really upsetting me about it. So right. anyway, I it, yeah. it's frustrating. We'll see. Um, on to the next news here. Uh, Racer Racer dot com put out an interesting article here. Uh, from that says uh, Jimmy Vassar and James Sullivan are targeting 2023 for their first standalone entry into the NTT IndyCar series. So currently they're paired with Dale Coyne Racing. Vassar and Sullivan's intentions are to field the team out of the same shop in North Carolina as their two-car IMSA IMSA entry. So that means Dale Coyne will likely be looking for a new partner. Now, uh, the reason why this is interesting, and this is not mentioned here, but I wanted to mention, throw, bring it up there. In that same article, it pretty much dropped that Roman Grosjean is not going to be back with the Rick Ware Racing and Dale Coyne team. And that brings a lot of questionings to where Roman Grosjean could go because we reported a couple weeks back that uh, Andretti Autosport could be looking at clearing house next year. There's some serious question behind James Hinchcliffe and Ryan Hunter Ray's future, even Alexander Rossi's future as well. There's a lot of people saying that uh, potentially Andretti could be a landing spot for Grosjean. Um, it could be an entire, it's entirely plausible. Um, we know right now that Ed Jones is probably going to be out of that Vassar Sullivan entry. So Vassar Sullivan will be looking at an entirely new driver. So silly season dominoes are starting to fall. Um, but you know, we could see some swaps, you know, who knows? Uh, you're looking at Hunter Ray. He's an IndyCar champion. He's an Indy 500 champion. I still think his stock is high. He's just, Andretti's been not that great. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I think that uh, what you're looking at right now is Hunter Ray shouldn't be worried about fighting another right. I think, I think if he can find sp- funding, if he could bring funding with him, I think 
teams should be calling them up and and asking, "Hey, what you doing next year?" You know, and if they're not, then they're they're wasting their a, a valuable opportunity to get a a veteran, a champion veteran on your team uh, and, and potentially help your team. I think Ray Hall Letterman should take a legitimate, serious look at Hunter Ray. I even think Dale Coyne should. Um, you know, and these guys, I'm not I'm not saying Hinchcliffe is bad, but I'm I'm looking at right now of the available driver market in IndyCar, Hunter Ray is the guy that I am going to go after every single time. And I, I mean, I understand why Andretti's letting him walk or just mm-hmm. releasing him, whatever. I mean, again, none of this has been confirmed, but this is yeah. speculation, and this is what industry belief is, is towards. I, I think, I think they're just you're just leaving a lot on the table. I think Hunter Ray moving teams could be a fresh start and really reinvent, re- revitalize his career. Um, so we'll you got to think about what the Meyer Shank deal is. You know, they're going to have that's um, true. We're going to talk about this, this in a minute. The next deal because are they going to go two full time entries next year? Okay, good, good, nice, good way to segue into that. So big news from Meyer Shank. Uh, Elio Castroneves will return to full-time IndyCar racing in 2022, which is incredible. What is his name? What, is he, what would he be then? 46, 40, almost 47? Yeah. How old was he? I think he's like 45, 46 by now. I'll let you know. Give me one second. So we're, we're okay. So Elio Castroneves is going to return to Meyer Shank. Meyer Shank, I mean, this is best decision they could have made. Um, I mean, not uh, what you're going to hear about in a minute is, is going to be disappointing, but 46. Is he is 46. So, 46. so Elio will be what 47 next year. He'll be 47 next in May. IndyCar. Yeah. God bless that guy. That is incredible, man. Um, so El- and then he was going to return to full time mini car racing and he's going to take over the number 60 car from Jack Harvey. So Harvey was set to returned next season only moments away from signing an extension but changed his mind at the last minute so now this could be interesting because then this one makes you wonder okay well what does jack harvey have lined up for next year because now he could have gotten a call from letterman or or he could have got or ray hall letterman he could have gotten a call from andretti you know this is all possible you know it's not like uh, i think did he did did harvey drive for uh andretti and indy lights I can't remember off the top of my head, but if the, if he drove for Andretti and Indy Lights, that would have been interesting. Um, for you, you look it up for me because I want to see if that could be that could be a lead then potentially because I'm just speculating out out here. You know, you know, you guys know this. We report we we report mm-hmm. what other people have already report and kind of just talk about it. So Indy Lights drove for Schmidt Peterson. He drove for Schmidt. Okay, but that yeah. that is also very that could be very interesting as well. Could they be going because three? I've heard news of F, SP uh, Arrow McLaren SP wanting a third car. Yes. So that yeah. could be that that could be yeah. another link to that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew he drove for a powerhouse in lights. I just couldn't figure out, remember yeah. if it was Schmidt or, or Andretti. But yeah. that's, you know, Harvey, it seems like Harvey has a place to go next year. I think and... his stock's high. I think he, I think he, he, you don't back out of a deal that a team's saying, hey, we want you back. And that Especially has if you could be teammates with Elio. Yeah, I mean, this team has shown progression. This team was kind of building around Harvey. And, um... It was built around Harvey. I yeah. mean, he started almost every race for the C- team until mm-hmm. Elio started the 500 this year. Yeah, so I think uh, he's got something. And uh, there's just something right now keeping them from making it official, whatever that is at this at this point in time. So, I mean, could he go... I mean, there's uh, uh, people pointing at Ray Hall because they're starting yeah. up a third team and, or his... Him being a or, yeah, I said that there was the the rumors that T- Takuma Sato could be hanging yeah. out, which wouldn't surprise. But this is that's yeah. the weird thing about 
Sato is almost as old as Elio, and if Sato is nearing retirement, Sato's got two 500s. Elio has four. Elio's still going, and Sato's like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to retire, and I, I've, I've done everything I want to do in, in racing, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm- I've got F1 podiums. I've got Indy 500 champions. If I'm Takuma Sato, I'm satisfied with that, man. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, so moving on into some NASCAR news. This was interesting uh, from this morning. This dropped yeah. this morning. How about this? I didn't expect this, but I heard link rumors about this. I expected Marco Andretti to be this guy, but it was not. Sage Karam will make his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut with Jordan Anderson's racing on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. What is it? The Pennzoil 150. Um, yeah. With the car being sponsored by Montage... Montage Mountain. Montage Mountain. Okay, Montage Mountain. I wasn't sure if that was like a misspelling of mortgage for a minute, so I had to do a double take for that. I had to do. I had to do a double check on it too, whether it's on the sponsorship deal. I'm like, is that right? Okay, it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Another thing, you know, this is what's nice about this week is we're talking about that. We talk about this, and then we move on to this next piece of news. There's mm-hmm. so much news that dropped over the past week that it, it. We're talking more about it because there's not. There was like three races this week. Three major races in major racing series, not including, I didn't include feeder series races just because, you know, there was a lot of them this week and there, there's like three races, a, 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 a season that's like Euro formula open was in, 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 uh, it was, was racing. And then I know that, um, formula regional, I think had a race or maybe formula four, you know, it was, I was just like, it's too much. It's, it's too much for, for us to talk about. We, we, there's other things that are more important, so I'm not going to worry about those. But this was, this was the biggest piece of news that dropped on the NASCAR circuit. And we talked about this last week. We yep. said that – we said we predicted it. By the time, you know, that podcast, last week's podcast released, this news was going to drop. And yep. sure enough, it exactly dropped. It is official. Brad Keselowski is heading to Roush Fenway Racing in 2022, and he will have an ownership stake in the team and will drive the number – uh, six for the team. So this, and this is this is an interesting part because I'm I was curious about this, how this was going to work. So Roush Fenway Racing has offered Ryan Newman a part-time driving schedule, as the team will retain Chris Busher. And Keselowski also expressed interest in reopening Xfinity and truck operations at the team, but has no timetable for those plans. So this couple of things about this, I want to I want to jump into this. First of all, great opportunity for Brad Keselowski because we've seen. I think Keselowski has he's done a lot for Roger Penske, and um, you know Roger Penske's done done a lot for him. Uh, Brad, Brad Keselowski is a very highly touted driver, and anytime he is a free agent, his name gets thrown into the ring as somebody who is going to be highly touted. Um, you know, a lot of people have rumored that you know he could he could t- could have replaced Jimmy Johnson and gone to Hendrick last year. There was even rumors about that. I mean, I think it's no no denying that Hendrick always wanted. Brad Keselowski in the past, but you know, things didn't work out. And now I think Hendrick's happy with his current lineup. Yeah. Um, cause well, all of them have wins this year. So of course you're going to ha- be happy with your current lineup. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so this is going to be interesting because I like kind of the vision that Brad K has for, for the team because it's definitely been, it's been no, nobody's secret that Roush is not what it was, you know, 15 years ago, okay. you know, even 15, 20 years ago, Roush, was even 10 this powerhouse ago. not even 10 years ago yeah you're right uh even 10 years ago you still had carl edwards winning carl edwards in, in tied a, in the championship yeah he did he tied he in the championship the, the, the tiebreaker went to tony stewart because he had more wins i mean i mean so many times carl edwards should have been the champion 
I I still it still bugs me that he retired as early as he did because I, I he could have had he could have won a championship. I'm convinced Carl Edwards absolutely could have won a championship with Joe Gibbs, and he could have won the next year. I think he could have taken it to Martin Church Jr. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I mean, he could have taken. He would have. He was beating Kyle Busch. He was beating Matt Kenseth. Both of those guys with the top of their game at this time. I mean, I just. Man, it blew my mind how how that didn't that didn't work out. It just he just didn't work out. But anyway, so I like this vision that Brad Keselowski has. I do um, too because I think that I mean I'm disappointed for Ryan Newman because I don't think Ryan Newman needs to be shoved out like this. I think Ryan Newman can still compete. Um, it you know as we've seen, we just talked about Elio Castroneves. He's going to be 47 next year and he's going to be running full time. Age is not just a number. Ryan Newman has. No reason to look and say, "Oh, I'm too old to compete." No, who cares, man? If you still, if you still feel like you can win, go out there and do it. And I think Ryan Newman can. I mean, he's proven it before, at least in the past couple of years, that Newman can run well. He's definitely elevated Roush from where it was. Um, so I, 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 I don't like them offering him a part-time ride. I would prefer them to just open a third car for him and then just say, "Okay, Brad, you're going to be in charge of your own team here." I mean, you're part owner, so here you go. Manage your own team, you know? But I like the vision for the Xfinity and the truck revivals because Brad Keselowski, I think, knows how to run a, a, a truck team. He ran a truck team for a long time. He learned his father ran a truck team. Um, his brother ran an Xfinity team. Um, you know, there's no reason why he couldn't expand those expand on those legacies with not just for himself, but also Roush. I think that's going to be great because I think, you know, especially for Roush, you need to have, and Ford, you know, it's nice to have drivers in the pipeline. Um, I think that's what so, Brad Kozlowski understands really good. There needs to be a pipeline to the top. And right now, Ford really doesn't have one, you know. No, exactly. I mean, they had to poach um, Harrison Burton from Toyota. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Harrison Burton was a bad decision, no. But, you know, it probably would have been nice if Ford had another Ford driver that was, you know, potentially on Harrison's level, if not above it. Yeah. Yeah. Because right so, now you have a, you, it's kind of, you have a pipeline, but it's not, it's not just one lineup. I mean, Toyota is really the only one that's got a clear, clear path forward you know you if you're in if you're in the toyota camp if you're in arca you're going to be driving for bill McAnally, venturini you go to the trucks you're going to drive for kyle bush most likely um they, um and, you know they, they, I mean, you got thor sport but they've kind of they're kind of set on their on their squad right now you go up to the xfinity series you're going to be driving for uh kyle or joe gibbs racing potentially sam hunt in the, in the future but just right now it's just uh, joe gibbs and then cup is joe gibbs and uh in 2311 so and potentially another team next year we don't know but 40 got dtr crosley in the in the trucks and then you got Stuart haas and, and penske and ryan sieg in 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 the xfinity series it's not it's not one clear path up and i think that's struggling well you got front row too i forgot you go about front row in the trucks but you need to have front, a you front need... row is not a destination yeah. for any mm-hmm. prospect you don't want any to see any i mean not a chris busher was a great prospect and i think him going to front row hurt his stock i think it hurt his stock more 
then it helped it because he was coming right off of an Xfinity championship. And I think if he would have stayed with Roush into that next year, I think that he would have probably learned a lot more than having gone to front row. row Basically your only, the only person you're going to learn from is like Michael McDowell. I'm sorry. was not where they were. I rip on McDowell all the time and I'm sorry about that. But like, dude, honestly, if you're going to put a rookie, if you're going to, pick a, a a person to pair a rookie with i'm but not it wasn't mcdowell, mcdowell even then it was it wasn't it david reagan it was mcdowell and reagan there was a three-car team in 16 yeah well i think for well no you're right it was reagan it was reagan and gilliland you know get they get you know they dumped gilliland for busher replaced for busher yeah you're right you're right so that was 2013 so Shoot, I'm I'm sorry. I I forget some of the stuff. It feels like so long ago. But I think you're right. You're you're you're. Josh is right. I'm wrong. Don't don't listen to me. Um, what, well, I, but, well, yeah, I think what, what, what Keselowski understands really well in what is a lost art among manufacturers because of just a lot of this just goes back to the recession mm-hmm. and they haven't restarted it um, to an extent. Is you need to have a pipeline. You have a way up. To the to the Cup Series right now, you're just kind of like, okay, here's a deal here. Let's go here. Um, Chevrolet they have the 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 driver development thing between Junior Motorsports and GMS Racing, but there's not really a connection to the Cup Series uh, no. except the, except the Junior Motorsports Hendrick Link. Yeah, you know, and again, Toyota's the only one that's got this right, and they're the ones pouring money into it, and it's hard to argue that they haven't had the best success from ARCA to Cup year in and year out oh, yeah. with the way they've allocated their money. So putting Brad in um, or getting Brad in this position and letting him as a guy who's like, it's like our, us, us being fans, you know, we, we, we've been fans in the past 20 years and we've seen a lot of things. And I feel like I don't want to say that makes us a doctorate in, in, in auto racing or NASCAR. But if they were to ask us, what do you think, X change is the biggest change. What are some of the, the major points that have that have changed the course of NASCAR? We're gonna be able to answer that. Well, Brad has done that same thing. He's been driving in the last 20 years and he's one of the seasoned veterans. And he's to this point where, all right, I can put that knowledge that I've I've accrued both as a driver, as a viewer, and as someone who has driven for one of the greatest in Roger Penske and, yeah. and has been in partnered with teams like Hendrick Motorsports. I can put all that knowledge to use. Let's fix what's broken. And I think he's the great, a great guy to do this with Roush racing, whatever, whatever, whatever. Look at where Brad Keselowski started. Mm -hmm. I mean, he started driving basically for his family team in the truck series that his dad started as Bob Keselowski was, was a truck, truck racer back in the day. Big Arthur Um, guy for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the original truck racers from, from 95 and, and on. Um, and, and, you know, Brad got hit, cut his teeth in NASCAR that way. And then he kind of moved up and, and did some start and park stuff with the, in the nationwide series at the time and got noticed by Dale jr. Um, you know, really yeah, driving a truck, he's subbing for, who was he subbing for at ultra motorsports? The, was it Ted Musgrave? He was it subbing been, for. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he had a great performance at Memphis yep. one night and, um, almost won that race. It gets you noticed. It gets you, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. So Brad, I th- I like that that, that this is going to happen, uh, you know, and, and I think if you look at that, you're you're right. Brad 
has kind of done everything that you can do with Penske. You know, you, you won him a championship, which is something that two. nobody he won two championships. He won him an Xfinity championship. Right. And but I was talking about in Cup. You know, World I mean, Cup, this okay. is something that, that was something that no one had ever been able to do for Roger Penske right. before him. I mean, I'm, he set that bar. And I think, you know, when Keselowski looks back at his tenure at Penske, I think he's he should be very proud of it. And this next chapter of his life is as a team owner and and with Roush is is really, like I said, you know, I think Roger Penske said it. You know, when someone asked him about, you know, Brad leaving, you know, Penske said, if if somebody offers you an ownership stake, you, you can't really say no to it. If You can't really turn down that offer because Roger Penske knows, like, dude, if 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 a driver that I have gets offered something that I can't possibly offer them, it would be cruel and mean of me to tell them to that to tell them no, that they couldn't do it, yeah. you know. And I think it's like that in, in, in most situations. If you see somebody get an opportunity that you couldn't possibly offer them, you you it's going to suck to say bye to them. But at the end of the day, that's what they need to do. That's what's best for them. And, you know, you can you have to move on and, and you start your future. So and, and that could end up being being beneficial for Penske because Penske now could afford as well, which is, you know, runs Penske's could have that pipeline, you know, because they're they're out. They're out now. You know, Cindric. Once Cindric gets the cup, I mean that's that's it, you know. Penske's well, they did say gonna... the twenty two car was going to be with uh, cup drivers. So the team's right. still going to be there, but you're not going to have you're not going to have a dedicated driver for it. You're not going to have a young driver that is you know coming up through the ranks on your team. So this you're could, have... this is the, honestly, if I'm Roger Penske, I look at that and I say, okay, Brad, if this is your vision, if that's what you want to do for your team, then heck, this could work out beneficially for both of us because yes. then Ford could have places for our, our drivers to go and you know you can basically run those cars and and take take ford's money for running them you know I, it, it, it just works out um yes. it would just in theory work out so that's good um so i that's probably the right roger penske made the right decision letting brad go and i think brad made the right decision working with with uh raj friendly um how long have we been talking holy cow it, it we are at 38 minutes good grief Supercars. Let's let's end this with some supercars news. That's very interesting. I wanted to talk about. Um, Todd and Rick Kelly have sold their remaining ownership stake of the team's namesake of their of their uh, team. Uh, so Kelly Grove Racing they sold uh, 50 percent of the share uh, last the, earlier this year to Stephen and Brenton Grove, bringing it in and, and and that so it became known from Kelly Racing to Kelly Grove Racing, and they didn't have Todd or Rick Kelly because they both retired and you know they were. They were done, and so now I guess they've decided that time the time is right to sell uh, to sell the rest of their team. So now instead of being part owners, uh, they're uh, the Groves are going to be um, full time owners of of that team. So it'll be de- definitely interesting to see that. Um, Supercars has a while to wait for the next race. I don't know if you know this, but their next race is actually in September. Yeah, which really suck. I mean, we're talking about IndyCar having a crazy long break. Man, Supercars had a race last week, and now we're not going to see them race again until September. Did they have one those when the somewhere between there because of COVID, though? I think you're right. I think it's it could be due to COVID, but even then, I mean, IndyCar's long break, because we were supposed to be at Toronto, like either last week or the week before. It was the um, week before the 11th. So, I mean, or 10th. COVID affected that, so it wouldn't surprise me if COVID affected this, because Australia is a lot different than... Over here, but hey, we've got good news. The Canadian border is slowly opening up, and they 
start, when they started to allow their NHL teams to travel for the playoffs, yeah. that was that was good. That was the best news you could have gotten was that they could finally travel and the restrictions were going to be less. So we'll probably see some Canadian Canadian races in the next next year, definitely at least. I would hope so. My gosh, I'm missing Mo Sport. I'm missing Montreal. I need them. I even miss Toronto. I like Toronto. Yeah, it's, it's true. Toronto. Toronto's good. Toronto's always exactly. fun. All right. So uh, let's move on. So we've talked about the news for 40 minutes. Um, well, that was a lot. That was a lot, a lot of, of races. Yeah, not a lot of races. A lot of news, though. That's yeah. the thing. That's a nice thing. There's a lot of news, a lot of silly season dominoes fell. So a lot of stuff to discuss on that front and yeah. a lot of just stuff that has been flying around, you know, like who knows what's going to happen. Um, it's going to be very interesting, you know, and it's fun to talk about, like, where could drivers land? You know, that's a whole podcast. That is a whole podcast in and of itself. Like where yeah. is speculating on where potentially drivers could land yeah. um, and just kind of having fun with, you know, oh, some so-and-so tweeted a rumor and, and this so-and-so tweeted a rumor. I heard a rumor that MBM, not a rumor, but like uh, from Sebastian LaVorge, he said MBM has purchased a next-gen car. So they'll be in NASCAR next year. Uh, Carl Long's team, you know, that's not huge news, but it's news. It's kind of interesting. Try uh, it. They are going to try it, and that would be an uncharted team. Remember? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, especially, you know, you're which have... by the way, have you seen? I first heard this on the Door Bumper Clear podcast, which I don't agree with this because I, I just don't think that's right for comp. This isn't right for competition. But if you have a charter, you get your parts quicker. That's dumb. Um, which I'm like, no, it, it, that should not be that. That's discouraging competition. What I, is it with NASCAR and giving Carl Long the middle finger? What is it? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why do they just love to screw over Carl Long? Like, what did he do to them? I want to know. He ran an illegal engine that he did not know was illegal. And wasn't it only like a few inches? Like, it was barely. Barely like big enough. It wasn't. Wouldn't have it even was, been a big deal. You're not even talking inches. You're talking thousands. And it was. Yes. But, it, but it's again. It's outside the line. All right. It's outside that line. You can't see my eye because it's so tiny. What, yeah. I hold my hands up here to my eye. But yeah, it's um. Yeah, just just one of those crappy deals. But I I I keep when I want to think of this term, I can't think of it. Um. But, you know, NASCAR is skirting the line when it comes to what the NFL, the NBA, the MLB franchise sports have to deal with and these charters. It's just skirting that line. NASCAR's always been about the little guy being, you know, the whole idea of NASCAR starting up was that, you know, if you had a car and you could qualify, you could go out there and race. And it's becoming more of a, like a walled garden, you know, now it's kind of kind of disappointing. I don't, I don't like that. You know, guys like Carl Long used to be able to make a legitimate shot at it. You know, you, it's not like they were going to win, but they could have, have a good showing never. and a good run, run up in the top 10, and yeah. you'll never see that anymore. You'll literally never see that. You will never see a Rick Ware car be in the top 10 or not even Rick Ware. I'm talking about NBM because Rick Ware is not going to put any effort into the cars. NBM is going to put an effort. Um, but you wouldn't see NBM be able to compete in the top 10 and, and eke out of the top 10 like in, in you would in 20 years ago. You know, yeah. you'd have that small team like look, Tyler Jett, Motorsports at the Daytona 500, Johnny Benson. You know, how that saved Johnny Benson's career. That saved a lot of people's jobs and careers. Yeah. It was a great underdog story, how many laps he led of the race. You know, he got sponsorship for the rest of the year. Lycos didn't pay, but then when 
they were like, hey, we're out of sponsor. Then that's when Aaron's got in there and yep. Aaron's started getting into the sport. And we're like, oh, hey, we kind of like this, you know, and Aaron's became a big part of NASCAR and over the over the course of the next 10, 15 years. So it's stuff like that. You'll just the likelihood that that ever happens again. And those domino effects happen for the benefit of the sport. It You just don't know if that stuff's going to happen anymore because of just how hard it is to compete now, how close the competition is and how hard it is to just start up and enter the car. I mean, you look at the amount that's being paid for charters and whole ass teams, man, not just charters, but entire teams. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Okay. Let's talk about another absolutely insane sport formula one uh and that's our the subject of our featured paint scheme this week uh is the 2004 formula one world championship josh why don't you go ahead and start off and tell us about your selection and then i will tell uh, our viewers our listeners about mine uh, i'm i'm going with the uh jordan ej14 and it was driven by nick heidfeld uh giorgio pantano and timo glock uh this car was Black on the bottom, yellow on the top. And parts of the rear and front wings were black too. It was pretty simple design, but I think it popped best on track in the 2004 season. And yes, I'm talking even more than the Renault car. Yes, I, that might be, you know, uh, heresy to say, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with my guns and say black and yellow are two of my favorite colors on a car. And, uh, you know, I, I always will say uh, green will always pop for me. Uh, green, red, and white, orange, uh, orange and black. But black and yellow, too, is going to pop. And I'm not even a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. <laughs> I hate the Steelers. I hate the Steelers. But uh, Hey, man, they beat the Seahawks in uh, Super Bowl forty, and I'm still not over it. Hey, you know what? I'm not over it either. I, I watched that game. I'm not over it either. Uh, they, my, my... they stole another Super Bowl from Kurt Warner in 2009. Yeah. Let's mention yes. that. Ugh. Sorry, Pittsburgh fans, but we we don't like the Steelers. Even, yeah, the, only thing they, the only thing they have going though for them though, as a, as a as a franchise and as a as a city though, all their teams are yellow and black. All right, very identifiable with that. So that that that's cool. Um, anyways, where were we talking about the 2004 F1 World Championship? Not digging on the Steelers. This is not some NFL podcast. Um, it was a disastrous season for for Jordan. They only scored a total of five points, placing ninth out of ten in the Constructors' Championship. Um, one of the top eight cars scored points in races back then. Heidfeld had a season best finish of seventh at Monaco, and then uh, eighth two races later in Montreal. Catano never scored points and was replaced uh, by the end of the season by Glock. But even before Hold on, that, I have a question for you: Is that Glock? Huh? Glock? Is that Glock? What are you talking about? Oh, you don't get it. You not get not, it. I thought this was gonna be funny. I'm not. I thought that was gonna be funny. I really thought. Okay, just just. Continue. <laughs> oh my god, music. Is this some sort of American Dad? No, reference? this is a reference to. Okay, it, it, at the end of the the race in 2008, at, in the F1 race at Brazil, on the last lap, Lewis Hamilton. So okay, so oh, when when Hamilton passes Timo Glock on the last lap, he scores yeah. that extra point yeah. that puts him ahead of Felipe Massa yeah. in the, in the overall standings. Yeah, and the I think it was Brundle or the commentators start shouting, "Is that Glock?" And I I 
I thought the reference was going to be funny. I, I you, but totally, you, you it totally went it. over my head on that one. I'm sorry. Oh it, my yes. God. Uh, I feel bad now. So now I, there's an awkward I, silence on this podcast that <sighs> everybody's going to listen to. And if they're not <laughs> laughing at it, they're cringing hey, at it. So We encourage you to laugh at this because <laughs> I just made a fool of myself. I got I got egg on my face on that one. No, but, it's okay. <laughs> no, I, it, it, I should have egg. I deservedly have egg. I'll go get an egg and I'll throw it on my I've already I ate crow on the show one time. Might as well throw egg on my face <laughs> while we do it too. Um, anyways, like I said, um, I'd failed, had a season best finish, the seventh at, Mo- at Monaco, then two races later in eighth at Montreal. Pantano never scored points and was replaced by the end of the season by Glock. But before that, uh, he raced at Montreal in place of Pantano because of a contract dispute with Jordan. So he finished seventh in that race. Um, so there was their, there's your five points right there. The only time their best finishes were the points finishes. Um, in 36 entries that season, uh, they had 15 retirements. Uh, not, a, not, a, not a great year at all for them. Uh, it was pitiful. But they had a banger of a car. I mean, it was smashing out there. Um, so... And you know what? I have a soft spot for Jordan, and I don't know why. I just like the Jordan team, and I wish they were still around because, for whatever reason, I like Jordan and F1 really well. Don't know why. I can't really explain it. Anyways. Jordan, Jordan was very historical yeah. Formula 1 team. Yeah. I think they, had, they only had four wins, I think, but uh, still. I mean, they were, they were a team that was around for f- hey, man, uh, 14, 15 years. Late '90s were yeah. were Jordan's time to be alive, man. Yeah, yeah. Jordan, late '90s. If you were a Jordan fan back then, it was it was time to be alive. Yep. Um, my selection is going to be uh, the Bar Honda from that year. This is a Bar 006. Um, I absolutely love this car for a number of reasons, mainly because it was a car that I never, I don't think anybody really expected to do as well as it did. Yeah. Um. It was very, very. It was probably the closest car to Ferrari. I mean, of that year. I mean, McLaren was not was not there. I mean, McLaren was good, but they weren't they weren't Bir Honda good. Um, and then you had um, you had shoot. There were other teams that I'm just I'm just blanking on right now. Um, Can't say Minardi. They finished last. No, I wasn't gonna say Minardi. Um, shoot, yeah, Renault. Renault was it there. Williams. It was Williams. Williams was was very good with with Juan and 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 Ralph. Um, so was Renault. But that that Bar man, it beat them all. Um, and with drivers of Jensen Button and Takuma Sato, who would have thought? I mean, Jensen Button is a you know is a Formula One world champion. Takuma Sato is a two time Indy five hundred champion. So it's not like either of those drivers lacked any talent. It was just. Who expected these two guys to go out and finish second in the overall constructors championship? I mean, the thing that I mean, let's let's also be honest about it, is the Sato podium at Indianapolis is still probably the greatest thing to go back and watch now in hindsight, because you you could see how excited Takuma Sato is to sit on the podium, not just in Formula One, but at Indianapolis too. Like I feel like getting that podium there at Indy was incredibly special for for Sato, not just because it was his first podium of the year. It would be his only podium of the year, um, but I believe it was his first podium period as as a Formula One driver. I think um, so. I think that's right. But it's you could just see how special that was. So then when you go back and you watch his performances at Indianapolis 
in and even in 2012 when he, when he when he lost in 2017 and then again in 2020 you know he just you could just tell how much winning at Indianapolis means to Sato yep. and it's just really cool to see his joy when you look at him on that podium um and now but Jensen Button had way more podiums throughout the season um Button did way better than Sato in general um but that's not that's not a dig on Sato. I mean, Sato he was still finishing in the points almost every week. If the if he wasn't retired for a, an accident or a mechanical problem, he was finishing in the points. And that's about all you can ask of of a driver when you're not really expecting to contend for the World Constructors Championship, but you end up doing so. Like I said, they were ended up uh, second overall. And this was you know a Lucky Strike sponsored car, so oh, you know it was strike. white and it had the old Lucky Strike uh, the the uh, target or the red dot on the side. Yeah. Yes. Um, or, you know, in F1 games, it, it didn't say lucky strike. It just had yeah. this dot, but you knew what it was. Everybody knew what it was. It's like, it's like when you play NASCAR games and you, and you see Rusty or Dale or Sterling Marlin on the car. You know what it is. Well, well, most either. Formula One games, if you go back and play, like, it find a Formula One game from the late 90s or something. Like, I have a bunch of them because I'm a game collector and everything. So my favorite one is to see... Um, the mild seven Benetton in a Sega Saturn game from like 1996 or seven or something. And it's, it's all censored, but it's and it's low graphic polygon, but it's like, you know, they weren't even trying to hide that this is what this was. You know, they didn't even try to hide the logo or anything. They did. They used the same font uh, on the side of the card. It's just like, clearly this is a cigarette sponsored card, but kids aren't going to know that this is an arcade style game. Kids aren't going to, or they had to, the Marlboro one, it says Mika Hockenden on it, Mika on the side. It's like, we all know yeah, that that know. design is Marlboro because anybody who's seen a pack of Marlboro knows that that's what yeah. it looks like. The car yeah. is designed like a pack of their cigarettes. You're not fooling anybody. You can't change the, unless you're cart precision racing or not cart precision, what was it? Uh, cart championship race it was a Dreamcast game that I have where, um, Instead, they, they actually did the opposite. Instead of having uh, Marlboro colors on the cars, they literally just made them all white. They took the, all the red off. There was no red. It just was all white, and it said Penske. And in the IndyCar series games that came out for the Xbox, PS2, and the uh, PC, uh, the Penske cars are all black instead of white and, and red. They're all black instead. And they say Penske on the side, and it's crazy. You, there's nothing ever you'll ever see it. Like even even the diecasts, they might they might not have said Marlboro on the side, but they were still looked like Marlboro yeah. pack. They st yeah. were still the the paint scheme of the actual car. But in the video games, they were entirely the they changed the paint scheme to make it almost unrecognizable from what actually would go out there and race. Huh. It is crazy, man. It is crazy. It's crazy because in Formula One games, they didn't even try to change it. But in IndyCar games, they were so sensitive about it for some weird reason. Like they had to censor it in the Formula One games, but it wasn't like they changed the fundamental paint scheme. It was yeah. you could still tell what what it was sponsoring, you know, whereas in IndyCar games, they were like, no, absolutely not. We can't put the Penske cars look like Marlboro cars. We have to change them. So there's something completely different. That, that, that's terrible. I'm sad now. Yeah, well, I even yeah, I'm sad. I collect the game, so imagine my disappointment when I first saw those. But I do want to. I don't have my PS2 down here, but I wish I had my PS2 and I could just crank out, you know, NASCAR Thunder 2003 and race a 
beer sponsored car with the guy's name on the side. All right. Hybrid well, indoor outdoor circuit. That was very very interesting. I actually yeah. quite like that though. It was it seemed a little dark in the indoor sections, a little more dark than I expected. But you know, it was more like a, a night race, which was also kind of neat. Yeah, I um. The only problem I had, I watched the Saturday race. I wasn't able to watch the Sunday race. Um, the only problem I had is that, and, and and Rob, I know you watch a lot more Formula E races than I do. Far more, far more. You are the Formula E guy out here. And oftentimes when I only watch Formula E, it's really just highlights. And and so correct me if I'm wrong on this, but if if Formula E likes to have those tight corners where it's it you feel like you're in a bumper car arena at your local fair, that needs to change. That was half ridiculous because when 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 they showed the uh, when Dario Franchini was doing like the walkthrough before the race, I'm like. There's no way they're going to fit through there too wide, and they're not going to be sorted out by the time they get there. And then you're like, well, put it out. We got a caution. Car stalled on track. I wonder, no, duh. You couldn't, you couldn't <laughs> that, that, first, that first lap on Saturday was inevitable. I that was everybody a, that knew was that. A, that, was, that. That's the kind of stuff that, like, that's a joke. That's, a, that's NASCAR throwing the green flag when you know it's sprinkling out <laughs> just to get the race started, and maybe it will pass type of move that was ridiculous so if f1 want, uh, look i thought it was kind of cool it was an interesting dynamic indoor and outdoor i can't say it's my favorite thing in the world but i'm not opposed to it okay do it again next year i don't care um but the can, circuit, i mean with an electric race i mean you could in yeah. theory have a whole race indoors and it wouldn't even bother anybody correct um you just can't have those tight quarters where you're like you can barely fit too wide oh my i'm God. not a, i'm not there a was, fan about a, that portion of the track i don't know if you noticed this it has a, a ridiculous double hairpin and i got yes. flashbacks to the original ims road course design with oh, yes, the yes, same yes. similar yes. dumb stupid double hairpin it's like that was kind how of how does this promote passing honestly it, it didn't promote passing at all but i will say like uh, everyone was kind of concerned about it and i was like reading a couple things before uh before the race like hey people concerns come past there was a fair bit of passing but yeah, the double hairpin, that was just, uh, that had to be some sort of energy conservation deal. Somewhere down the line, that saved energy for the cars that I can't explain how it would. I mean, just hairpin it. It's yeah, one I, hairpin. I, I think a, a normal standard hairpin is always going to be more effective at promoting passing than a double hairpin. Yeah. Because a double hairpin, a double hairpin is pointless because even if you get alongside somebody and actually make the pass into the first hairpin you're still gonna you're gonna be on the outside for the second one yeah. you're gonna be on the wrong in the wrong lane on the second one so you're gonna you lose the position. Like unless nick you DeVries. clear them immediately you're screwed yeah like nick devries did on that when he had that fan mm -hmm. boost Which, by the way i'm not a fan of the fan boost that's stupid um they don't need it now that they have before. attack mode that's the biggest yeah. thing that well, it, it was cool when it first came out like the first season they really yeah. needed to abandon it after the first season because it no longer makes sense and especially with attack mode being a thing attack yeah. mode pretty much should serve as a fan boost for everybody it yeah. should serve as like the the official turbo boat button of formula e i don't understand why they have it 
in it with the fan boost still. I think I've, I'm pretty sure I brought this up on the show yeah, before. I brought this up before a few times. How it's it's so redu- it just seems so redundant, and and it's because it's caused the fan boost now to become. And I think I said this before, like I, it's become a detriment because yeah. you you it uses more energy. So you have yeah. to you have to use attack mode. So you're already using like what 10, 10 or 20 kilowatts extra yeah. power than you normally would have but then you have to use the fan boost at some point throughout the race so if you get awarded it right yeah. so you're it's it's a detriment cuz then you're just going to be draining more energy and you you're just going to gonna have to energy save after more after you use it you have to use it like Nick DeVries used it in the first race going into some place and going to a corner not where you're going down a straight, but where you where you can go to the inside, into into a like a hairpin, or just a corner where you're going to be lighting off the off the brake, and maybe you can kind of brake check them a little bit, get them to slow down so you can ease into it and into the next corner. Because I think he used it when I when I sat there and I thought about it, I'm like that was actually probably the best place to use it at that circuit where that double hairpin probably saved him a little bit of energy so i kind of act for that situation he got an a plus from me on that decision to to use it there and, and great move but yeah i enjoyed the race i just had the, the 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 start was a joke um and they just need to you know they just need to have wider i know there are so many of these are just temporary circuits and those that's, that's tough to do but i mean indycar does a fine job at yeah, giving these cars enough room and wherever Even they Formula go, Formula One does it. too. To yeah, but their these, street circuits and these, but these tight sections, you just can't get. You just can't do that. You're gonna, you're asking if you're in the back. I feel like I'm last. I'm just gonna hang back. I'm just gonna hang back and not do anything because I know there's gonna be a caution. We're gonna get stacked back up. I'm gonna your couple cars come get damage. They're gonna be some people get penalized for uh, unnecessary contact or whatever. However they want to phrase it that day and. I'll gain seven positions on that start. I'll go go again on the on the restart. So that that that's my opinion on it. Rob, who won the Arca race? Well, actually, we're gonna get a lot of heat oh. for this because so oh. in the first the the we okay. So I'm gonna preface this something. You didn't get to watch a second. I did not race. get to watch the second race. I forgot, but Neither we did I because I was in Ohio over this weekend and I I loved it. I got I got to stay with some great friends of mine. I got to hang out with them, support them. I love them. I'm so happy. Uh, I got to go out over there and see them. It was a great opportunity. I loved every moment of it. But, you know, it was a late night, naturally, on Friday, on, on Saturday night. And uh, I didn't have to work. So, naturally, I took as much advantage of it as I, as I can because I typically work every day of the week. So, anytime I'm awarded a day off, I take full advantage of it and do whatever I want. So, I just, I just slept in through the Formula E race to tell you the absolute truth. I slept in through the race, too. And I saw the highlights and I read the stories afterwards. Lucas Degrassi tried this crazy thing to serve a penalty on the pit road, and I guess he took the lead, and he would have won. He got disqualified, and just very odd things. But I don't—it's hard to talk about it because I don't know the full context because I wasn't able to watch the race. So we're probably going to get criticized on this because it's like, well, how can you have a racing podcast if you didn't watch the races? Well, normally, on normal circumstances, I would be clearing my schedule to watch races, but— I wanted to go support a friend and see my friends this weekend. And I also just knew that, you know, there's a, this is a lull weekend. There's not going to be very many races as much as I love formula E as much as I love feeder series. I'm not really going to give up these opportunities to spend time with these people to sit and watch a race. So, and then when I got home, I had a three and a half hour drive from like, 
mid about mid east Ohio, all the way all the way home. It was about a three and a half hour drive up uh, on I seventy, and so when I got home, there was no way I was going to sit down and watch the res- like the these two races for Formula E back to back again. I just went to bed. <laughs> so can you blame me, guys? Just just cut us cut us some slack this week, Josh. Your your weekend was probably a bit different than mine, not maybe as hectic, but you know, just cut us some slack here on this week. There's not a lot of races going on. Next week with Formula One race going on, there's gonna be some Formula Three, and I'm gonna be here on Saturday, so I'll be able to watch all of them, but and I'll be able to talk through of them. But this week is kind of a weird one. There was also an ARCA race. Um after oh, by the way, I didn't even mention who won these races. So race one was won, won by Jake Dennis, race two win. was won by Alex Lynn. And then the Arca race was won by Ty Gibbs, and that was at Iowa. And I hated being—I I hated having to miss that. I have it on the DVR on my on Mav TV, so I'm probably going to actually try and watch that later um, because I do like Iowa. I do like watching races at Iowa, but you know, it's Arca. I didn't exactly feel like you know asking my friends there, "Hey, can we pause the movie?" Or, "Hey, can we all come inside so I can watch this 18 car slugfest around <laughs> Iowa or whatever?" You know, I—I I just. There's 23 cars. 23 car. Okay, so, but you guys, you guys understand what I mean. You know, I, I'm, I'm hanging out with some friends. I'm not gonna ask him to put on this terrible arca race. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't move, even know move. if it was terrible. It might have been great. I'm just, it's, it's arca. I'm not gonna. There, I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch it anymore. I counted. There's maybe like a good, decent 13 cars, which is probably okay. good. 13, 14 cars. So. So at least you had a top 10 that was worthy of something and ninth and 10th weren't like 20 laps down. Correct. They were all in the lead lap. Okay. And that's important. That's, that's, that I would say is a good ARCA race. Yeah. All right, Josh, who's your outstanding performance this week? I'm going with Raj Carruth. uh, Okay. For completing all the laps at Iowa Speedway in his first career big arc of start. Um, it was a combination race with the East Series, and he's made all the five prior starts in the East Series this season. Um, but he beat a couple of regulars in that ninth place finish, Brett Holmes and Drew Dollar. I know Brett Holmes doing a uh, part-time schedule this year, but I mean, he's a defending arc of champion. Uh, he's in a solid equipment, and Drew Dollar's in solid equipment with Ventrini. So uh, I think if you can beat those guys... That's pretty good. And again, he said on the lead lap, stayed out of trouble, and uh, you know, good for him. Uh, I remember I uh, I was asking questions one day. They kind of worked with him one uh, during a Instagram live, so I'm just give him a shout out on that one. So good to see Ross Cruz do good. Get top ten. That's it. That is good. That's great. Um, I'm giving mine to Ty Gibbs just because he's Ty Gibbs, and I have no other reasons behind that. Just. Look at Ty Gibbs. Look at what he's done this season. Look how many wins he's gotten so far this season. Look at how many top fives he's had in the Xfinity Series and wins in the Xfinity Series as well. I mean, kid's next big thing. Kid's next big thing. And he goes out there and he, I mean, people give him crap all the time because he's like, oh, there's no, he's not racing anybody in ARCA. Okay, but when he was racing good guys in Xfinity, he won. So, hmm. Twice. Uh, yeah, twice. Exactly. So, and you know, I I would uh, I I disagree with people who who don't who think Ty Gibbs is a flash in the pan. I don't think that at all. I think he's just simply put one of the best prospects in NASCAR right now, uh, one of the best up up and coming drivers. He's so fun to watch. Um, so it's no surprise that he goes out there and wins Iowa. And I'm pretty sure he's proud that he won a race at Iowa because I think everybody likes going to Iowa. Everybody likes racing yeah. at Iowa. Yeah. So 
if Ty Gibbs is going to win one of the only races at Iowa all year, I would be pumped about that. And guess what? Guess what he gets? What guess where he gets to go next, Josh? In Arca, it's to go to Winchester. Yeah, man, he gets to go to Winchester. I'm excited for that. That yeah. is that that has been marked and circled on my calendar uh, since they uh, for the Arca calendar. I was like, I don't care. They get five competitive cars to show up, and this this race is still going to be circled on my calendar just because it's Winchester. I Are you going to try to go to that race? I don't think I. I can't imagine I'd get off. I'd be able to take off two oh, weekends in a row. Yeah, uh, that'd be pushing it a lot. That might be pushing yeah. it a bit. Yeah. Um, let's move on here to uh, it, this is kind of a filler segment since yeah. we don't didn't have a lot of like races to talk about. We're we're gonna do something interesting. We're gonna be calling this. Let's make a schedule, and we're gonna do it with a NASCAR Cup Series. We're gonna make our ideal. Josh and I, you and I, we've made our ideal fantasy upcoming NASCAR schedule. Um. So here's here are our rules. We're gonna we selected a year. We, there's there can only be a maximum of two exhibition races, and the Daytona qualifying duels do not count. So you know, Bush Clash, what have you. I didn't include the Bush Clash on mine, but it, the assumption is that yes, the Bush Clash exists, and it's on the oval. Screw the road course. Um, I'll explain that later when I get to mine. We have uh, a max of five circuits can host two race weekends. Um, Charlotte and Charlotte Roval are considered different racing circuits. There could be only a max of four doubleheader weekends. If uh, 35 points race weekends exist with four doubleheader weekends, there will be 39 points races. Um, tracks should be ready to race with or within reason to be able to race. So like, you know, something like a Pikes Peak that just needs safer barriers, you know, or something like a Nashville Fairgrounds that just needs a major upgrade but is doable. Even North Wilkesboro is on the table as well considering the momentum that they have gotten over the past year, year and a half, towards potentially being revived, saved, what have you. Um, tracks, so there, like, for example, Nazareth would be a no, but North Wilkesboro is, is considered a yes. Like, you're not going to run a Nazareth ever again, probably ever, period. <laughs> You'd be lucky if you could. Um, yeah. And so, Josh, I believe you have selected the year 2023, and I just went ahead and selected the year after you, the 2024 schedule, and you were a lot more detailed about your list i kind of stopped putting like <laughs> mileage and laps halfway through because i was just trying to think off the top of my head i was like what do i want where do i want what tracks do i want what tracks do i like what tracks do i not like you yeah. know what what well flow of the schedule do i want what kind of you know what do i want to be the the cutoff race you know there's a lot to consider that i just so i kind of as i'm considering all of that i'm not thinking about like race length or specific dates or whatever you know i had a calendar for 2024 pulled up but i was like i'm not going to put in a specific date or time or a saturday differentiate between a t saturday and sunday i'm just going to see how many weeks are in this month and then okay well and go from there um so that's how i did it josh was a lot more in depth than me so i want to go ahead and turn it over to josh because his was so much more in depth than me um not to say that I didn't try as hard as Josh did, but he his, his, his just has more detail than mine, I guess. Um, so, Josh, go ahead and give us your ideal 2023 NASCAR Cup Series calendar. All right. So uh, I'll kind of just fill something in here. The five tracks or circuits I selected to host two races. This was actually kind of tough because it's I have Daytona, Talladega, Martinsville, Bristol, and Darlington. I originally had Daytona, Talladega, Martinsville, Bristol, an auto club, the short track. But I said, I can't leave Darlington, which is one race. I can't do it. So I auto club, you're left with one race. Um, and it was actually tough to have two races at like 
Talladega and Daytona too. That was actually relatively tough to do. Um, but I did put it on there because it just it's just good variety. Um, so one thing I'll just kind of say here off the bat too with the mileage and stuff, I'm going to say um, the only races that are longer than 400 miles are Daytona 500, the Coca-Cola 600, and the Southern 500. All right. Yes, so that means my Talladega races, the Atlanta, the Atlanta race, Texas race are 400 miles, not 500. All right, so the season begins at the Daytona 500. Then we're going to go to the Daytona road course in Homestead. Very similar to this year's modified schedule. I like that, um, you know, the, 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 the three-week sprint there in Florida. Daytona Speed Weeks there kind of still exists a little bit. It's a little, heavy, a little modified than, than in the past, but it's, you know, new tradition, right? Um, no clash, no clash. I scrapped the clash. It is a made for TV product at this point in its existence and it's no longer needed. So I basically replaced that with the actual points race at the Daytona road course. After Homestead, go race four. Uh, we kind of have a shortened modified West coast swing. We go to Phoenix, Las Vegas, then circuit of the Americas that wraps up March. Then we go to Martinsville. For a Sunday race, I am not a fan of a Saturday race at Martinsville. I don't care. I'm sorry. Not a fan of it. The Xfinity Series can run on Saturday night. Cup Series needs race on Sunday. The lights there should be strictly for weather delays. Uh, then you have the off weekend for Easter. Then you go to Bristol, Talladega, and Richmond. That wraps up uh, April. Uh, Chicagoland kicks off the month of May. I originally had a Chicago street course, and I thought, I I know that's probably what's going to happen, but in my fantasy, in my in my ideal world, we're we're not going to go street racing. And I said, you know what, Chicago Land, mile and a half track, Chicago Market, it, it and uh, it might be far away, but there's ways if you if Atlanta is willing to build up what they're doing there. I think the city of Joliet wants to keep the track open, and and we all can work together here as one. So um, then. This is probably that might surprise people on this on this next one. Uh, we got the first doubleheader on the would be on the Saturday and Sunday of the 13th and 14th. This is Mother's Day weekend, and we're going to be in Pikes Peak. Yeah, doubleheader in Pikes Peak. You know, we're going to make the trip worth it out there. Um, I would imagine that this would probably be some sort of um, big trip. The trucks and Xfinity go out there, so the Colorado, the Mountain West fan base, uh, they. They go down there, they camp, they hang out in Fountain, Colorado, Colorado Springs. They're going to get, you know, at least 500 miles of cup racing. So the Saturday race would be 200 miles, that's 200 laps. Uh, and Sunday would be 300 miles, 300 laps. So short, shorter race on Saturday, longer race on Sunday. Uh, then you go to Darlington the week after that for the 400 mile. This is a throwback weekend uh, again. The... Uh, all-Star Race is next. It's on a Friday. The Friday before the 600 is the All-Star Race. So that means that the 600 is on a Sunday still. But practice and qualifying is all on Saturday. Uh, and then, the, cup, and then the, the big race is on Sunday. So it's a packed weekend there in Charlotte. But that's why I put Darlington before that. So there's less travel for teams, you know, leading up to it. Then you go to Sonoma. At the start June, Michigan gets a doubleheader Saturday and Sunday again. 200 miles at on Saturday, 300 miles on Sunday. And uh, so, you know, that's 500 miles compared to the 400 you have now. 
Then you go to Nashville Super Speedway, 400-mile race there. Then you go to Pocono. I like the the doubleheader at Pocono there, um, except uh, my one change here was 300 miles on Saturday compared to 325, and but 350 still on Sunday. Uh, Road America is my July 4th weekend. I, I really like the atmosphere that was produced there this year, so that gets get stuck on there. Then we go to Iowa. Iowa gets a 400-lap uh, event on a Saturday night in, uh, in, in, uh, in the middle or the beginning of July. And then the, before the, the two-week break, even though there's not going to be Olympics that year, um, we're going to go to North Wilkesboro, and it's going to be on dirt. Um, so I think that would be a really cool way to kick it off, a good, good exciting weekend to lead us into two weeks off. When we come back, we're going to be still exciting. This is kind of going to look similar to the way it is now. Watkins Glen uh, is going to come back, uh, bring us back to the action. Then Indianapolis, it's on the Oval. We're going to go to the Indianapolis on the Oval um, the weekend after. Then Dover is the final doubleheader I have, and that's in uh, August. returns to August. 200 miles on Saturday, 300 on Sunday. Daytona is going to end the month of uh, August. And then Darlington the, with the Southern 500 ends the regular season. Okay. That ends the regular season. Um, I could, you're obviously not switching that. I'm not taking it away from Labor Day. I'm not going to put Daytona there. Um, I simply have Daytona there because I like Road America on July 4th. I just do. To kick off the playoffs, a round of 16 is going to be New Hampshire, then Texas, then Bristol. Uh, the round of 12 would be Kansas, Nashville Fairgrounds, and Auto Club. All right? You got to have a LA. Uh, California has to be part of the playoffs, and this is how you do it. Uh, the round of eight would be Charlotte Roval, Talladega, and Martinsville, and we're going to end the season at Atlanta. And I kind of have this specifically kind of designed to where if you wanted to have Homestead in the, in the season, you just kind of rotate the beginning of the schedule a little bit. Phoenix, Las Vegas, same situation out there. If you want Texas, a better Texas to end uh, the regular season, you could just flop, uh, swap Texas and Atlanta as well. So... That's my schedule. I had a lot of fun making it. I've made dozens of schedules in my life. Uh, this is just one of them, and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I hope you did, too. Rob, much tell us about yours. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing this, but I want to preface mine real quick. So I, I, And I noticed this, and I tried to fix it, and I just, I decided, uh, I just decided I'm not going to fix it. So I, I have a max, you said a max of five tracks can host two races. I have six. Uh, I, I, the, the copy that you have, Josh, is not actually up to date from what I'm okay. going to read. Okay. I have six. The reason why I have six is because the, the six that I have are Daytona, Atlanta, Bristol, Martinsville, Talladega, and Darlington. Okay. Okay. You kind of get why those six are going to have to have two races. Like, you can't take a race away from one of those tracks because those are like it's the tough. most, those are like the six major tracks that are going to attract a lot of people there no matter what you know so i feel like it's kind of hard to just take you know you're not going to take a race away from bristol you're not going to take a race away no. from martinsville you're no. not going to take a race away from talladega you're not going to take a race away from darlington i mean it's you could take a race away from it's atlanta a- but then it kind of defeats the purpose of them having this new banking and you know atlanta being as popular as well, it is, Chase Elliott, you know, being and I, as popular and I, as he is, you're not going to take that away. I mean, you can, but I just, I didn't want to. I felt like Atlanta needs to have two races 
it just deserves two races. And I would say this, not to not because this is off topic, and I don't want to get you on a tangent, okay? But I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta goes back down to one race next year. No, and it, it absolutely yeah. could. But in my humble opinion, I think Atlanta it should have two. I agree. Should I have agree. two. It should have a race early in the season, and it should have a race in the playoffs. I agree. I agree, one hundred percent. And I that's do. that's I just how I yeah. That's how I think Atlanta should be. Um, I think one personally too. I think the spring race should be during the day, and the fall race should be at night. That's I can get behind that. That's actually that's that. also how I feel about it. That's, I mean, I feel like it's one of those tracks that can produce a good race uh, during the day and at night, and it should be able to have an opportunity to do both. And especially in September in Atlanta, it might it might be kind of nice to have a nice little night race. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, I can that. Um, all right. So here's my schedule. So I'm, I just go, I'm going to go by months and I looked at yeah. how many weekends are in each month of 2024. And I didn't really, like I said, I didn't pick specific dates, but, um, so here, here's how I'm going to start. So in February, we start the race off with the bush clash. I didn't put it in here, but we are doing a bush clash. We're going to do it running on the oval screw the road course. It, it, it's a made-for-TV event, but yeah, I don't care if it's a made-for-TV event. You want to know why I don't care? It's because it gets me excited for the Daytona 500. You know, it gives me some. It, it, it gives me that little preview. It's like an appetizer. You know, it's like that perfect appetizer. You don't go to a restaurant and you start in and you just order the prime rib like right off the bat. You know, you order an appetizer first. You order an appetizer. The, the, the Bush Clash needs to be that appetizer. It. it 20 cars, 25 cars, you know, maybe less 23 or something going out there and racing uh, for like 40 laps around Daytona. I mean, that, that should be our little appetizer. You know, that should be our appetizer. So I'm not getting rid of that. I think it needs to stay. Um, but we go to Daytona 500. We have the Daytona 500. And then the next week, we just start the West Coast swing again. I I, I like that. I prefer the way NASCAR start did it a while. Uh, I like just jumping right into the West Coast swing because, you know, it's during a period of time where there's going to be a, there's not going to, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot of basketball. There's going to be a lot of college basketball on at this time. And I think quite honestly, people would prefer it if stuff would happen on Sunday at 3 PM so they can watch it. Um, so I'm going to give them that. And I'm going to say, we go to auto club, this short track version of auto club, whatever. And then we're going to go to Phoenix. Those and these are only, our only stop in Phoenix and our only stop in auto club. It's going to happen at the beginning of the season. And that's because they're in perfect, locations to have a race is in february and keep in mind we're starting the day we're having the daytona 500 on president's day weekend we're not doing any of this nonsense where we're starting it like two weeks after the super bowl or something no it starts directly after the super bowl we start this season as soon as the super bowl happens we are going racing it, it in the bush clash like that same that next week and i know that they're pushing the week back and all this stuff but that's how it's going to be. That's I'm not messing with you that. You would that's run the Bush Clash the same weekend as the Super Bowl. If it's on, if the Super Bowl is on Fox that year, yeah. Okay. On the Saturday night, you, you're telling me put Saturday night Bush Clash Super Bowl on Sunday. You're not telling me Fox is not going to hit ratings gold with that. I th- I mean I think I think it's a good idea. Um, I don't think they'll do it. No, probably think, not. I but I think yeah. it'd be ratings gold if they did. I think it'd be ratings gold either way. It doesn't matter what network it's on, but what the Super Bowl's on, anyways. Yeah, yeah. But you know, if it was, if if the Super Bowl's on Fox that year, oh, it's a slam dunk for them. Well, I remember I, someone. Uh, I think it was on Door Bumper Clear suggested that this that the, the that the clash, I think it was the clash, should lead into like the Super Bowl. 
not lead into it. I know. I'm like, that would be, be a Saturday little... night before the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm like, that would be a little stretch. If it was a nooner, you know, that'd be good. If I start the clash at noon, because Super Bowl's not going to start till eight o'clock, mm-hmm. seven o'clock, you know. Plenty All right, so now we get into March, and we're still going in this uh, West Coast swing, but we're, we're, we're finishing it off in Las Vegas. Uh, then we're going to go to Atlanta and have a 400-miler. Both races at Atlanta are going to be 400 miles. That's, that's what I think should happen. Atlanta should go down to 400 miles. Not because I don't think Atlanta 500-miles races are good, but I think, you know, one-and-a-half milers have 500-mile uh, races at, at Mile and a half have kind of just run their course. I yep. think they've just kind of run their course. They're not really particularly necessary. I mean, the Coca Cola six hundred being five hundred six hundred miles is you're not going to change that. But outside of that, I don't really think any mile and a half track needs to be over four hundred miles. They've five hundred miles on mile and a half have kind of just run their course at this point. Yeah, not to interrupt you again. Sorry, um, I know this is your time, but like to like that four hundred mile can fit into that. 245 two hour 45 minute right. three hour 15 minute window which is about the approximate same length as a football nfl football game mm-hmm. so you're you're i think it's just it's i mean you because I, I don't mind having 500 mile races 500 lap races uh but i i would prefer them to stay like crown jewel events you know yeah, like daytona like darlington like bristol like martinsville um like talladega you know i i prefer that to be the way i mean and charlotte being 600 but um, so then we have an off week. We have a nice little off week. This is probably like an Easter break. I don't know when Easter falls in, in 2024. And, and this break can be moved to whatever weekend Easter is. But we just have an Easter break. Um, then we go to Bristol. Uh, and then we go to Martinsville. And that finishes off March. So we have two back-to-back short tracks. Uh, and then we do uh, April. We go to Richmond. We have a nice little race at Richmond. Then we go to Talladega. Then we go to Darlington. We have our sunny Southern 500, the throwback week. Um, you know, we have that, not the, really the Southern 500. I don't know why I said the Southern 500, but like we have the 400 mile race throwback week. The Southern 500 is still on Labor Day. I miswrote. I, I was not in a hurry, but I was trying to gather my thoughts as best I could. And then we go to have a 400 mile race at Kansas at the end of April to start the month of May. Now, the thing about the month of May that I did here was I really made it kind of, I want to make it a big deal at, at in, in two specific markets. Yeah. And I said, let's yeah. start the month of May at Nashville Fair at Nashville Super Speedway, a 400 mile race there, and then we move down the street down into Nashville Fairgrounds. We have a 300 mile race there. Then we go over to Charlotte. We have the All Star Race, and then we have the Coca Cola 600 on Memorial Day weekend. Now, I think, in my humble opinion, that would be a pretty darn cool month of May for NASCAR because you're going to still be competing with Indianapolis, which is going to have all the month of May festivities at IMS. You're going to have to compete with the Grand Prix, you're, you know, all that stuff. Personally, I think having making Nashville and Charlotte some two big hubs there could be very popular for NASCAR and could be a very, very good decision for them overall, I think. And, and I don't think, uh, I, you know, there's always the option you can go ahead and separate. You don't have to run Nashville and Nashville Fairgrounds like back to back. You don't have to do that. But. I felt like in this instance, it wouldn't be a bad idea if you had both races back to back. It kind of made the Nashville area and the Charlotte area kind of big hubs during May to kind of not necessarily compete with Indianapolis, but kind of generate the, a similar amount of buzz as Indianapolis would. Because, you know, if you want to go back to Nashville Fairgrounds, and I think 2024 is a reasonable time frame to believe yeah. that, that, would, that they could be able to go here again. I agree. Um, 
And so that's why I, I felt like, you know, let's let's go ahead and and and, and do that. Um, then we go into June and we have our nice little summer stretch. We go Dover, Pocono, Sonoma, Circuit of the Americas, back-to-back road courses. Back-to-back road courses. Thought that would be kind of interesting to throw in there. Uh, and then we have a nice little race at Michigan. We go up to Michigan. We go to Irish Hills of Michigan. Um, and then July. Oh, oh, this was a na- this slam dunk. I'm going to do this every single time. We're going bringing back Pepsi 400 because it just needs to happen. There's no reason not to have the Pepsi 400. There's no reason not to be racing it in July. And the only reason we're doing that is because we think that for some reason hurricane season will wait uh, a couple of months or a couple of weeks. And the fact of the matter, it won't. And uh, look, July, any time outside of like the spring and the fall in Florida, it's going to probably rain. So you're just going to have to deal with that unless you're going to run Daytona in November. You're not going to do that. So in the morning. Huh? Or at 10 o'clock in the morning like it yeah. used to be. Right. You, you know, just just forget it. And if it gets rained out, it gets rained out. Deal with it. You know, if it gets rained out, it gets rained out. You know, if it gets rained out, we race on Monday. Or we race on sa- Sunday. If we're raining out Sunday, we race on Monday. You run the race on Saturday night anyway. You run in the Xfinity race on Friday night. Which it never rains on Friday night in Florida, evidently. Right. <laughs> And even you know what, if Xfinity race gets rained out, double header, double header. I don't see. I I just seriously don't understand the logic behind making Daytona the playoff cutoff still because a couple of years ago they said you know we don't really like the idea of Talladega being a playoff cut race because it creates too much you know uh, unknowns and too many you know, potential for crashes, but you know, Daytona being the last chance for you to get into the playoffs, which means people are going to be absolutely driving with their heads up their butts the entire time. Uh, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Make some sense out of that because I still don't get it. I it's, if it's not safe to have a cutoff race at Talladega, it's not safe to have the cutoff race at Daytona. Sorry. It's not, it, it should be in July and that's when Daytona should be run. And then we go, we do the post July race tracks that we should be going to no matter what these are the two tracks that we have to go to post Pepsi 400 if we're they don't go before they don't they don't go before they don't go like two months after they don't go two months before they go directly after the Pepsi 400 Chicagoland and Kentucky you, you, you run Chicagoland and Kentucky after the Pepsi 400 you just do it's it is how it's supposed to be that's it's weird I know I'm not leaving any explanation because it's just how I am that's what I like I I liked it when NASCAR went Daytona Chicagoland, and then I then when they replaced Kentucky with Chicagoland, I still like Daytona to Kentucky. I don't like the way it is now, where you have this weird random Road America race, and then where do they go? Where do they go to after Road America? Now they went to a, well, they went to Road America, Atlanta, New Hampshire. Yeah, no, that no, that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. I don't like that. That, that bothers me. Chicagoland comes after Daytona. It's it's always it it, it always has since I I've been paying strong attention so like 2001 chicagoland comes after daytona and i won't have it any other way and by the way chicagoland doesn't need to be off the schedule it needs to come back on the schedule as does kentucky kentucky deserves to be on the schedule just one race after chicagoland uh as well and then we have another off link uh we have two straight off weeks the last weekend of july and the last week of august i did actually look up when the 2024 olympics are scheduled to be held and put that in there so at least i did do that detail so i did already input um an olympic break there uh but we come right out of the olympic break and jump straight in to the sum to like the big end of summer fall stretch we go 
Indianapolis. We have Brickyard 400 on the Oval, of course, because it's only right. We go Watkins Glen. And then you want to know what the right playoff cutoff is? Bristol. Bristol. That second race that I'm throwing in at Bristol, the Bristol night race, let's make that the cutoff. Yeah. You want carnage? You want some crazy stuff that could go on? You want... Let's do it at Bristol, man. Everybody's going to be getting revenge on everybody. It's just going to be great. It's not, And it's not going to be like tearing up everybody's car like at Talladega and eliminating them from the race. They'll tear up the car, but they'll go on pit road and fix it in the trash clock, come right back out and wreck the guy who wrecked them. It's going to be awesome. That's what we should be doing. Bristol night race is a cutoff here. Bristol night race is a playoff cutoff. Now we run into playoffs. So we start the playoffs basically on Labor Day weekend in September. We go to Darlington. And then how about this? How about this? How about this? Second race of the playoffs. What, should, what do you think it should be? North Wilkesboro. Let's go. Let's say, let's say North Wilkesboro 2024 again. We've got Nashville Fairgrounds. Let's say Wilkesboro's back. Wilkesboro gets one race. We put it in the playoffs. We put it in the playoffs. We give the fans something really that they want. You, we, give, we give people a real incentive to come out to Wilkesboro because it's not just any race. It's not just a NASCAR race. It's a playoff race, and it's a big playoff race. You know? This is that's what I'm talking about. And then we go after that, we go to New Hampshire for the cutoff. Now New Hampshire's the cutoff. Now, oh, so we get Darlington, which is uh not really a mile and a half, but kind of an interesting track. You get a yeah. short track in Wilkesboro, and then you get a mile long track that you could in theory get revenge at if you wanted to. You could. Good. You could. So that's fun. And then in starting round two, we have my favorite round. Well, my favorite round would be round two here. Atlanta, Road America, and Talladega. So we go to Atlanta and Road America last two weeks weeks of September. For, start October off at Talladega. Make Talladega. So like I said, you know, if if NASCAR wants, if NASCAR really wants to have like a cutoff race as a play a, a, on a on a plate track like at Daytona, let's do it right. Let's go ahead and make it Talladega, and let's make it a playoff cut race. That's it. Let's 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 add some more chaos in here. If it wasn't already chaotic enough, ending having the playoff cut race be Bristol, let's make uh, the round of twelve cutoff Talladega. Uh, so then, oh, oh, it gets better, Josh. It gets better. Um. Then let's see here. Did I did I do this right? One two three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Oh, shoot. I missed, I missed this up. I missed this up. I added, I added an extra thing. And I think I, I think I have 37 races here. Oh, no, no, no. I do have, I do have, uh, I think I have 37. I think I did this wrong. Did I do this wrong, Josh? Did I do this wrong? You did your, you did the, you did the, the, the start wrong, evidently here, or the playoff wrong. Your, your, Dar, uh, Darlington would be your, <clears throat> would be your, Regular season finale. like It would I, be? Darn yeah. it. Okay, well then let's start. Okay, so Bristol's not the regular season finale. Darlington is. North Wilk- Wilkesboro being the first race of the playoffs. That's yeah, better. All that's right. Cool. So Wilkesboro, New Hampshire, Atlanta, round one. Road America, Talladega, Texas, round two. Charlotte, Roval, Martinsville, Phoenix, round three. Then we finish the season at Homestead, as it should be. Okay, so I screwed up. I screw- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not that I didn't try hard on this. It's just, there's so much going on in my mind, and I didn't want to leave a track out. And I realized in the first draft, I left Michigan out, and I left, uh, and I had like seven or eight races at it too, and I left out Wilkesboro. And I was like, 
man, I thought I had this thing. And then I went back and I re-looked at everything. I was like, no. So, okay, but that's that's really what it is. So it's it's kind of like a back to a, to our roots with a, a new twist. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Not saying that NASCAR, the new NASCAR schedules are bad, but I'm not really a big fan of doubleheader weekends in NASCAR. I, I, I could have made, given Pocono two races, but I didn't want to. Um, I just decided it, I just decided I didn't want to do that. I didn't feel like it deserved them. I, I just cut it down to one race and added in Nashville Fairgrounds and Wilkesboro. Um, I kind of didn't want to give Road America a race, but I kind of felt, you know what, actually, do I need to give Road America a race? I don't even know dare if you. I do. How dare you even suggest that? I don't know. I, I, it's just because, I don't know. I like the Circuit of the Americas race. Road America just seems like a better Xfinity track. I don't know. I don't know. Let's do upshift and downshift. <laughs> well, How I, long I, have I, I been I, talking? Good I like, gracious. I We're like, supposed to be done with this early. I like, I like your ideas though, man. I, 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 okay. I think the whole May thing is a very concept. Yeah. It's, I thought, that, I thought of that. That was what I really, put a lot of time in because i was like well what can nascar do because you know you have the all-star race and you have the coke 600 but that's really towards mid-may you know if you want to really kickstart this whole month-long thing of like celebrating nascar and celebrating racing in general and being like all right hey this i think this that would be the way to do it is like really give nashville and charlotte like two back-to-back race weekends it at you know in two different types i mean Nashville gets two different tracks. Charlotte gets an all-star race and a 600-mile race. You know, you give those fans really something interesting. And then you go, I, I just thought that would be interesting, an interesting concept. It probably, you know, who knows if it would work logistically, but it, it'd be cool to see. It'd be cool to see. It'd be cool to see. All right, let's do upshift, downshift here real quick. Um, upshift, downshift are, are uh, fun, fun time of the week. Uh, upshift meaning we agree. Downshift meaning we disagree. Uh, to a series of hypothetical questions and or statements that will be provided with. You can play along. You can upshift, downshift, or shift into neutral if you don't care or whatever. Uh, on Twitter, use the hashtag RobinRoller anytime to play along with us. Question number one, Formula One team members should be able to lobby race stewards during race investigations. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I downshift so hard, I need to go to a new power unit because oh, I broke, broke your engine. Broke, you broke your gearbox. You, you just shredded yeah. the gearbox. Yes, this is bad. This is bad. This is a bad idea. I didn't like it that, like, like I got. It's okay for them to talk to the race director because he has no no bearing on it. So, you know, Horner and, and, and Wolf's, you know, Wolf sending an email. That was the grace was, I'm sorry, Toto. I don't check my email like during the race. I concentrate on the race itself. It's a great, great, great quote. But no, they should not be able to lobby the race stewards. They should. Just sit there and figure it out. No outside interference because you wouldn't want, you know, oh, crap, my, this is my buddy. He's talking to me about this. So, you know, uh, maybe I should show him leniency or he popped this idea into my mind and it could just be a falsehood. So, no, absolutely not downshift. Yeah, I have no reason to upshift this. I'm downshifting immediately. This is ridiculous. I, I don't. I mean, you're... A race investigation by the race stewards is supposed to be about as non-biased as possible. You're not going to go and, you you know, you're not going to go, you're not going to see a lawyer walk into the jury deliberation room during a trial and right. lobby for their client. 
Right. So why is this any like why is this happening? Why are why are we allowing team principals to go in and talk to the Ray Stewarts while they're literally sitting there investigating the incident and going over all of the facts that they have? Like it it just seems yeah, it's it's pretty easy downshift. Um, didn't talk about this news, but it's very interesting uh, to note here. So there were L1 penalties given to Hendrick Motorsports teams uh, from Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman over the past weekend for running, or from the um, New Hampshire weekend, for running uh, for the pair running the wrong engines, uh, which would be a loss of 25 owner and driver points. Is this both over-policing by NASCAR and holds no real consequences for the team? Do you upshift or downshift on that, Josh? Yeah, I upshift. It's both over-policing. Like I get why they're doing it, um, because it's a it's a crate engine, it's a sealed engine, it's a dumb penalty, it's a dumb rule. So it's just another page out of the rule book you could just kind of take out, and nothing would really change. Um, and there are no real consequences. This has no great, you know, owners' points. I mean, they're both in the playoffs. The only way this really affects them is if you know they come down to it, and at Daytona. Chase was 24 points b- below the the guy in front of him, and if he had those 25 points back, he could have an extra playoff point. That's basically what this boils down to. And, I mean, that playoff point could pay off dividends later on in the playoffs, but I think a more appropriate penalty, if you have, you're already locked in and these points don't necessarily play a huge favor, take away a playoff point. You know, so I kind of upshift, yeah, both it's over-policing, there's too much of that. This is F1 style over policing, and uh, it the consequences really just don't have any bearing. So I upshift. I to disagree with that. I've got to upshift on that too. It's it's just it seems you know they talk about a lot in Formula E how there's a lot of you know complicated rules that are easily forgotten by some people or that you know something as simple as running the wrong set of tires or failing to indicate which set you were going to run that race, you know, can literally cost you your entire race result, you know, and and NASCAR doing something like this isn't, it's not a one-to-one comparison, but it it kind of worries you about like the state and how that's going to go down. And especially, you know, a docking of 25 driver points. I'm sorry, but when both drivers are locked in the playoffs, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything. Cause as soon as the points are reset at the start, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Like it, it doesn't matter. I this, mean, this, it just doesn't this, matter. This this ha- holds more bearing if this is a playoff race. This oh holds yeah, more if it's a playoff then, race, that's right is, now this it has huge. no bearing. It ha- holds yeah. no bearing. You would have been better off with just a monetary fine instead of, of a points fine. It might have come with a monetary fine. I don't know. Well, yeah, but like I'm saying, like the monetary fine would have, in my opinion, sufficed. Just been yeah. like, hey, you didn't follow standard operating procedures, so we're gonna fine you. I mean, that seems normal. Seems like a normal punishment to me. I I mean, I feel like most, you know, most sports have that. Like, you know, okay, we're not going to like punish you with suspension. We're not going to punish you with this, but we're just going to fine you because like you should have known better, you know, and this was in your contract. Yeah. So that's, that's what, that's my take on that. Um, How about this? How about this question for us? Brad Keselowski is not a playoff contender at Roush Fenway Racing in 2022. Do you upshift or downshift? Um, Boy, this is a tough question. I'm going to, I'm going to upshift. I think, um, I think there's going to be a year of growing pains. I don't think he's going to go in there right away and just turn everything around. Yes, they've run well. 
um, this year, but the new car is also leaves a lot on the table that unanswered. So I, I, I just think that when I look at a team compared, when I look at Rash Fenway compared to a team Penske, Gibbs, Hendrick, even a Stuart Haas who is struggling right now, um, I think they're just going to be more prepared compared to um, compared to Roush, and, and I think he'll be a top twenty team driver. But I'm not going to be shocked if he misses the playoffs because he didn't win a race and he didn't point his way in. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to go more neutral just because I think there's too many unknowns at this point to really make a solid prediction. I mean, I don't know who his crew chief is going to be. Yeah. You know, I don't think I, I personally think that him losing Paul Wolf is a major reason for his relative decline in in performance. I really think that's a main reason for it. So I think, you know, if Keselowski goes out there and gets a better crew chief that he works better with and, and meshes well with, you know, then you're you're probably talking about, OK, he could have a legitimate shot. There's also the question of how is the next gen car going to drive? Is it going to drive similar more to an Xfinity car? Is it going to? kind of drive the same as the current cup car but drives more towards an xfinity car i like brad's chances in that a hell of a lot more than i like his chances right now because at that point if it drives more like the xfinity car it's down to driver talent and well i know brad keselowski has the driver talent that he needs in order to win races and win championships so i'm gonna that's that's a plus in his corner um so it depends on how the car drives it also depends on how you know what the new direction for Roush's, you know, how do they allot their resources? You know, what is, what, what is going to change in that? You know, is Brad going to come in and, and act any sweeping changes or important change or not even sweeping changes, but like minor changes that could help or hurt the overall team's performance. You know, it's stuff like that. I think it's just too early to tell because it, the fact of the matter is it was just announced this past week. Wait, There's a lot of unknowns it. about the future, about the future of car, about the future of the, the series, you know, all that stuff. So I'm just going to have to go into neutral, to be honest with you. It's a way too early prediction question, and that's why I threw it in there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, next question here. Final question. Uh, sorry, I was looking at that. The Mariners uh, just came back from being down 7 and nothing and won the game 11-8. to so that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, pretty rad. Go Mariners. And it was over the Astros, too. So them cheating Astros couldn't win this one. Um, chartered NASCAR Cup Series teams should have a requirement to field at least one entry under their name and not an alliance in either the NASCAR Xfinity or NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I don't want to upshift this one. Um, I, 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 I don't have a reason to downshift other than to say for financial reasons. But I think the overall health and growth, stability of these lower divisions um, are needed for, obviously, the progression and, and uh, growth for talent, you know, your drivers. So I think, yeah, I'm going to upshift. I'm gonna, I, I like the requirement. Um, and if you want to go the cheaper financial route, you go the truck series, right? You, you know, you don't want to go the expanded series. Um, or maybe you do. I don't know. So I'm going to upshift. I like the idea of it. You know, personally, I'm going to have to downshift here because I just, I, I think it's necessary in stuff like Indy Lights where car counts are a legitimate problem. But if you're getting 40 car trucks to show up to a truck race nowadays, 
seems kind of needless to have that requirement. I mean, if 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 we were having major field size issues in Xfinity and Truck Series, then yeah, maybe I would say this this is something that NASCAR needs to needs to consider for charter teams. But the fact of the matter is, you know, you're still getting 36, 37, 38 cars to show up to a standard Xfinity race weekend. You're still getting 40 cars to show up to a truck race weekend. And for the most part, at least half or three-fourths of them are going to be competitive. So, and, and I'm not saying competitive isn't going to win races, but competitive isn't going to, you know, not be multiple laps down. Right. You know, they're going to be on the lead lap. They're going to be racing each other for position and not being overtaken very easily by the leader. So I, I just don't think it's it's necessary at the moment. You know, it's something, like I said, in something like Indy Lights where car counts can drop into the single digits. Yeah, that's definitely something that should be looked into. But we're not asking the question about IndyCar. This is NASCAR. So I'm I'm going to have to downshift on that. Um, and then with that being said, so we've hit the hour 48 minute mark now. Which is crazy. I didn't expect this to go this long. We had a long Rob Racing report. Okay, it was all the silly season news and stuff that we had to talk about that really was really was time consuming. So all the silly season news dropping is what really took up most of the time on the show. Um, It's time for Rollers Featured Racetrack. It's the segment of the show where Josh, he is going to teach us all about a racetrack that we either know about or don't know about. Teach about the history, whatever. You know, the cars that ran there, the drivers that ran there, there, the history of the track and uh, everything. So, Josh, without further ado, I think you should go ahead and take it away and educate us about uh, a track that's uh, not far off I-70, but not the one you're thinking of. Well, uh, I'm going to talk about a track today that has already, you know, been mentioned today. Briefly talk about it. Um, It's a track that never should have left any of the calendars it served, and it isn't underserved. Let me repeat this underserved market grossly underserved it's a track that could have and should have returned when a team based not too far away uh and the team had the support of an entire city if not the state as if it was a professional stick and ball team uh this track uh could have been there you know their home court could have been like hey you're coming to play at my my house and uh that track today is pike's peak international raceway uh so it began in early 1997, when Apollo Real Estate Advisors uh, LP formed a joint venture uh, in uh, January that year with Raceway Associates, a partnership headed by a California contractor and developer, C.C. Myers Incorporated. Their plan was to own and operate a motorsports facility on a 1,300-acre property. This property uh, was and is in Fountain, Colorado, just south of Colorado Springs. The track built, which stands today, that's why I mentioned it on my calendar uh we did earlier um is a one mile d-shaped oval similar to richmond or iowa but with 10 degrees of banking and of course richmond is uh three quarters of a mile iowa is seven eighths this one is a mile uh in length it had a capacity of forty two thousand in the grandstands and reportedly could hold another twenty thousand in the infield uh one year prior to that penske motorsports incorporated a track operator at the time, with Michigan, Nazareth, Rockingham, in the soon-to-be California, uh, looked to build a track of their own in the Denver area in Adams County. Uh, this is slightly important note for later. Just dropping that in here now. So construction began and was completed in time for summer activities in 1987. The first major motorsports event of the track was an Indy Racing League race from the 1996-1997 
season, the Samsonite 200. It was race number 7 of 10, and uh, was held on June 29th of 97. Uh, the race was won by Tony Stewart, who led 193 of 200 laps. Rob has a point. Uh, I don't, I, let me, I mean, I gotta double check and make sure if you have that in there. You have that in there as being Tony Stewart's first IRL win? Don't have that in there. Yes, it Good. was. That was Tony Stewart's first IRL win. There you go. And it led him uh, on onto the championship later in 98. There you go. Thank you, Rob, for that point. I don't know why I didn't look that up. I looked that up like with everyone else. I just didn't look it up with him. I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah, Stuart, Stuart came real close in the IRL a couple of times when this was bef- the, during the 96-97 season. Stuart came real close, but it wasn't until uh, Pike's Peak that he finally got that monkey off his back. Well, thanks for like clearing that up for me. Appreciate that one, Rob. Uh, it was a bit of crash fest that day. 41% of the race was run under caution, and the average green flag lap was only 13 laps. Of the 22 starters, only 12 are running at the end. A lot of single-car accidents here. Um, so a lot of cleanup time, you know, they're running really fast and they're caution. So laps click away. Uh, Pikes Peak remained on the IRL and IndyCar calendar through the 2005 season, hosting a total of 10 races. Greg Ray was the only repeat winner winning both races in 1999. The only season that IndyCar... right, it was Greg Ray. It was the only season that IndyCar visited the Colorado track twice. The other winners were, uh, Kenny Brack... Eddie Cheever Jr., Buddy Lazier, Gil DeFern, uh, Scott Dixon, Dario Franchini, and Dalton Weldon. Uh, he was the final winner there. Uh, one of the wins in his first championship. Or his only championship, I should say. I just like that lineup of drive. Kenny Breck, Tony... St- so we got Tony Stewart, Kenny Breck, Greg Ray, Eddie Cheever, Buddy Lazier, Gil DeFern, Scott Dixon, Dario Franchini, Dan Weldon. Just, just, just think about that for a minute. Just how, how many championships alone are in that discussion not just indy 500s but irl cart championships uh, i mean that's and even the tony stewart's got nascar championships you know that's a pretty stout lineup of winners there yeah yeah it is uh the nascar xfinity series then the bush series and the nascar camp world truck series then the craftsman truck series arrived in 1998 the xfinity series would visit eight times from 1998 to 2005 winners included matt Andy Santer, Jeff Green, Jeff Purvis, Hank Parker Jr., Scott Wimmer, Greg Biffle, and David Green. Andy Santier's win on uh, July 24th, 1999 was his first and only career Xfinity Series win. He drove the number 47 Monroe Muffler Chevrolet for Innovative Motorsports. Tim Fidua, Todd Bodine, Jeff Green, and Jeff Purvis rounded out the top five. Adam Petty was 29th. Tony Roper was 40th. Of course... Uh, we've mentioned this on the podcast before. We would lose those two drivers and uh, racing a- incidents the following year. Uh, Hank Parker Jr.'s win in 2002 was his second and final career Xfinity win and was Dodge's first win in the Xfinity Series ever. They had only Chrysler had only entered in a Dodge Challenger back in 82. And it wasn't until 2002 that they came back in the Xfinity Series and Hank Parker Jr., will forever be the guy who got Dodge and Chrysler their first Xfinity Series victory. That's pretty cool. A little tidbit. Everybody, you know, who won the first Bush race for your Dodge? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who could it have been? Hank Parker Jr. You're probably going to say Jamie McMurray or right. or uh, maybe maybe even Jimmy Spencer. You might throw that name out there because those guys drove Dodges in 03. Casey Mears was in a Dodge in 02. And Casey Mears was in a Dodge in 02 as well. So you... But Hank Parker Jr.? Yeah, yeah, man. 
it was him. It was Hank. Uh, the Truck Series race at Pikes Peak, sadly, only from 1998 to 2002, Ron Hornaday, Mike Wallace, Greg Biffle, Joe Rutman, and Mike Bliss were the winners. Rutman's victory on May 20th, 2001, was his 13th and final Final career truck series win. See, I did this homework for other guys. I just didn't click on Stewart. You didn't realize that was Stewart's first. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't click on it. They were like, ah, oh, it's Stewart. Oh, the big Arkham Menard series race series single time on July 12th, 1998. Tim Steele won that race with Bill Baird in second, Frank Kimmel third, Dill Whittemore was fourth, and Rich Woodland Jr. was fifth. I mean, that's a heck of a top five right there. Hey, man, I think I only recognize uh, two names of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I I think I've seen Bill Baird, so I've seen recognize three, but I didn't. I, Dill and Rich. I don't know where those guys came I from. I see the name Dill. I think of uh, the Rugrats character Dill Pickle. <laughs> Dill Pickle, man. Hey, man. <laughs> Sorry, dang. Oh, we're terrible people. Um, the NASCAR West Series now the ARCA West raced there four times. Michael Waltrip, Kevin Harvick, Mike Bliss, and Steve Portania. Were victorious in those hey, races. It's Steve Portengay. I think that's what it is. They pronounced it. Okay, my bad. Portengay. There you go. Uh, NASCAR Midwest and Southwest also competed at Pikes Peak nine and four times, respectively. And the Indy Lights race there uh, from 2003 to 2005, uh, excuse me. Aaron Fike, PJ Chesson. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. PJ Chesson was. So this, this, is, this is interesting. So that early. Uh, Infinity Pro lineup back then had a lot of drivers that just kind of fizzled out right as soon as they like Mark Taylor won a championship when Ed Carpenter is the only real graduate from that era that yeah. really went on to do anything of note <laughs> and that was just because he had the long longevity uh, and was able to win races and, and, and still be competitive for the longest time there's a lot of drivers back then in the Infinity Pro series that just completely fell out off the face of the earth, just didn't do racing anymore. Um, you know, Aaron Fike went to NASCAR and then, uh, but uh, PJ Chesson started the 06 500 for Hemelgarn Racing, I think it was. He was, um, and, and he wrecked his teammate on, on like the That's first nice. or second lap. That's nice. <laughs> Him and his teammate wrecked, I think. And then, you know, Jeff Simmons was. The he came in to replace uh Paul Dana after Paul Dana passed away in 06. And you know, that was like a last minute signing. Like Ray Hall was like, Man, we need a driver to Jeff Jill Simmons was roster. the other guy. So Aaron Fike, Peter Chesson, and Jeff Simmons were the three winners in Indy Lights uh, at Pikes Peak. Yeah, Aaron Fike got caught with heroin in this parking lot of Kentucky Kingdom. Fun fact about that. Yeah, I really care. I watched a YouTube video on that. Yeah, not How good. about that? I love going to Kentucky Kingdom. Sometimes it's weird to every time I pull in that parking lot, I think, wow, Aaron Fike did heroin here. Okay. All right. It's time to wrap it up. We're a little going delusional here. Um, now going back to an earlier point with Penske Motorsports. You know, we all know the story there. They merged with NASCAR subsidiary International Speedway Corporation in 1999. Boy, how life could have been different if they didn't or they merged with Dover. 
Think about that. They moved to Dover instead of NASCAR. All right. Um, in 2002, ISC gained the first right of refusal if Pikes Peak owners decided to sell. And they did. And ISC purchased the track in 2005 for $11 million. And that was in September of that year and quickly shut down the facility of racing. Um, when the only real race left at that point in the NASCAR side was Xfinity Series, and it went to Martinsville in 06. Um, IndyCar just, you know, replaced with another race on the calendar. Now, I'm, I, what I have typed out here is I've kind of found conflicting information. So it's possible that this is for 1997, also for 2006, but ISC was always interested in building a track of their own in the Denver area. All right? So... They, it's possible that they shut Pikes Peak down in the effort to try to convince Denver people to build their own track where this one wasn't going to be competing with it, right? So um, it's kind of disappointing because Pikes Peak was a, I think it's a fine track, really do. It's a very unique track. Very unique track. It's in a, again, it's already there. Yes, it's away from Denver, but. It's not that far away from Denver. It's really, it's really not. I mean, I have, I haven't personally been there, but I've seen, you know, where Colorado National Raceway is, yeah. um, which is actually just off of I seventy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Fountain is a little bit south of I seventy, yes. but that, you know, even then, it's, it's, you could still get there from the highway. I mean, it's just yeah. a little bit of a drive down. I mean, it's not like it's in the middle of nowhere. It's you not know, that's the that's the big nowhere. thing that kind of bugs me is that why Pikes Peak was taken off the schedule because it's not like it's a it's in the middle of nowhere it's in a relatively picturesque area of den of of colorado and it's not necessarily in a denver suburb but that's fine because you don't really want to put one put a racetrack in a suburb especially one like this brand new when you're i mean it's one thing to move next to a racetrack and complain about the noise it's another thing for the racetrack to move next to you when you didn't originally plan it you know what i mean so i felt like Pikes Peak was in a good area. It's just like Pikes Peak I it's still in a great area. It, I mean, it really no, is. It, it's why it, it frustrates me that we're not racing there anymore. Yeah. So either way, it's possible. I don't know what the intentions of the uh, of the uh, France administration then. <laughs> all right, uh, was the uh, the uh, Brian France administration? I'll, I'll be more specific. But uh, either way, it was eventually sold. NASCAR and ISC sold it. Uh, in 2006, and operations resumed in 2008 and continued today. Like hot rodding, drifting, some SCA car meetups, car swaps, that kind of deal. They take have place uh, USAC Silver Crown races some there sometimes yep. there too. Yep. Which I, I mean, which was big because they ran the they ran Silver Crown races there uh, during the IRL weekends in the late 90s at the time too. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they still run Silver Crown weekends up there is really is really pretty cool. I don't know how if it's been recent, but I know they ran it a few times back in like the mid teens. I don't know if they're. Uh, was a uh, one this year and I didn't see it on their calendar, but um, it could have not been just because yeah. of COVID, but I know that they had silver crown races there in the past. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, it, it's a great place. It's, you know, we talk about, let's build a track. There's one there. There's yeah. one there. Why, why not go to it? Why not invest in it? Yeah. It's not a mile. It just needs safer barriers. It that is from my understanding. Yeah. The only thing keeping NASCAR from going back to Pikes peak is the fact that the track, current ownership just cannot financially invest in safer barriers because for them it's like okay but there's no we can invest in safer barriers but there's no guarantee we're going to get a nascar race we you know if nascar guarantees them a race they'll probably invest in them and and they'll be fine 
I forget. I saw um, it was a picture on Instagram one time, and I'd have to go back way back and find it. Um, but like the the money that Nashville is getting per year from TV alone, all right, for the next four years, like that would pay for like one year would pay for most of safer barrier needed at Pikes Peak by by foot per foot. It's it's safer bears are not inexpensive by any means. They are expensive. Um, but yeah. Anyways, I wish this drag. That's why I included it. It's an underserved market. We should be going back there. Never should have left. All right. I mean, you look at the events, uh, Colorado National Raceway for the Arca East. Mm-hmm. Um, the Truck Series had a dead heat there once. I wish the Truck Series could go back there still. But that that's a great short track, you know. And I sit there and I think. You know, if if NASCAR is totally fine running ARCA races at this tiny flat short track off I seventy in the flat portions of Colorado, why are they not okay running in a picturesque, almost mountainous, beautiful, state of the art speedway in Fountain? I I just don't get it. I don't get it either. Well, Rob, um, I think it's time to for you to wrap up this podcast. Yeah, let's call it a good. night. Let's look at the one. What's in the windshield? Starting off so. Uh, NASCAR, IndyCar, all off this weekend, but we've got, uh, Formula One's back this weekend. We've got the Hungarian Grand Prix is the year. Uh, Formula Three will be in action along with the W Series. W Series will be back. So again, W Series will be, I believe, still broadcast on BN Sports Extra. So remember, uh, that is on Pluto TV. That is also on the uh, free channels on Sling TV. It's also in a bunch of other different places that you can find it. I'm sure it's also on over-the-air terrestrial networks in select markets. So check your local listings, see if you can get BN Sports Extra and maybe see the W Series race on over-the-air free television. Regardless, it'll be free. But you, what, depending on whether or not you need an internet connection to watch it depends on what uh, what uh, region and market you are currently living in. So that's a big, big weekend out in Hungary. And that'll be the last F1 race before the summer break, uh, before we go to, I think, Spa at the end of August. Yes. Um, and then the Arkham Menard Series, here's, here's my, here it is, here's the big race of the weekend. Arkham Menard Series in Winchester on Saturday, July 31st. Arca last race there uh, on, as, as a permanent part of the schedule in 2017. They did race there last year, but that was due to a, um, that was really more of a last-minute COVID swap, yeah. if anything. So this is the first time since 2017 that Winchester has been um, included on the original schedule and was originally scheduled to begin with. So really, really excited to see that. And then just like I was speaking about Colorado National Speedway, the Arkham Menard Series West will go to Colorado and Colorado National Speedway on Saturday. Uh, that'll be pretty neat to see. That is a fun little bull ring around there. It's flat. It's 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 fast. It's interesting. It's a cool, neat little bull ring. Um, be, it'd be kind of cool if the Truck Series still race there. I understand why they don't, but it's still cool to see Arca West go there. Uh, it's it's kind of cool to see the cars still running on there. Be, at least NASCAR cars. Yeah. Um, and then Formula E, they have another. They have their season finale coming up here in a couple of weeks uh, at the Berlin Tempelhof Airport Street Circuit for a doubleheader. Now, how about this on August fourteenth and fifteenth? So, how about this? So, the first race they're going to run, I think, clockwise, and then the second race they're going to run counterclockwise. So, they're going to race uh, the second race in reverse of the first race. Smart. So how about that? How about that for Formula E? That'll be pretty interesting because they did that last year uh, a little bit, but they changed up uh, some, uh, bits and pieces of the track to make it different between the races. But this time they're just going to 
turn the cars around and have them go backwards. So that'll be pretty interesting to see. I'm excited to see how that works out for us. So, hey, thank you guys so much for listening this week. We know we went long, but that's because there was a lot of silly season news to talk about. And remember, you guys can play along too anytime. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook. We're all over the place. You can play along with us using the hashtag Robin Roller. You can you can create your own schedule. Go ahead and open up, fire up that notes app that's on your phone right now and uh, tweet us or or DM us, whatever, a picture of your ideal schedule that you would like to see the NASCAR Cup Series uh, go to in, in the near future. Uh, we'll take as much it. time as you want. Yeah, share it with us. We'd like to see uh, what you guys we'll come up with. Too. Yeah. And, you know, always uh, always get a hold with us. Join the conversation, upshift, downshift with us. You know, make this – we love to include our listeners anytime. So, you know, thank you guys so much for listening this weekend, uh, this week. We, we know there wasn't a lot of races, but uh, there's going to be some fun races this weekend with Formula One and ARCA. Uh, so get ready for those. So for Josh Roller, my name is Rob Peters, and this has been the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody, and we will see you next time.